Good afternoon and good evening. We are getting ready to cover the Tesla Quarter One 2021 earnings call. Joined, joining us today are uh, Patrick and Mark. You should know them from the Tesla Life Show and What Drives Us Show. So here we are. Yeah, I'm looking for my 1.21 gigawatts. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should have so, some gigawatts coming today. We should. Uh, right before, in fact, let me stop and start this thing again. I don't know if the audio is checked or not. Um, right before all this, Patrick and I were talking about, uh, yeah, it wasn't checked. Uh, Patrick and I were talking about the uh, the fact that this is a little earlier in the cycle than they normally go. So we were hoping that means good news. And so far, it looks like it. Yes, it does. Yeah. the, the This is by no means a, a rule, but what tends to happen is if companies have poor financial uh, data, they delay it a little bit so they can get a good story <laughs> around it. And when the numbers are good, they don't need to do that. So they just pop Look right out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm that's excited. That's not a Tesla thing. That's just everybody on Wall Street, every publicly traded company. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you have bad news, but you have a good story about how you recover from it, you try to mitigate that, that uh, negative impact. Yep. Ah. Yeah. All right. Well, so we'll, we'll mute that for now. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get a strike. I don't know if that's public domain or not. <laughs> uh, it, it sounds public domain, but doesn't mean that they didn't pick a non-public domain performer or uh, exactly. like a remix. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Although I liked your intro music, I felt like I was playing Pikmin for a moment. I don't know if you guys have ever played that game, but it's awesome. Thank you. And that music went. <laughs> went, went, went yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, so how will I listen to see when it started? Question, because the mute icon for it is not on screen. <laughs> oh. Hmm. Or, you know what I could do? I could unmute it, take it off screen, and then I'll hear it, and I'll just pop it on screen when it's ready. Hey, Let's do that. Plus, it's just a black screen anyway. <laughs> right, yeah, there's not a, not a whole lot being shown or shared right now. And then I'll turn it down so that I can hear you guys. So, uh... They start out immediately with money, and it was looking good, and, and then productions. Uh oh. Oh, yeah. You know, um... Schedule to begin shortly. There we go. Continue to stand by. Continue to stand by, she says. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We didn't need freaking for that. We could look at the news, their, um, their letter that came out as part of this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We should probably share the letter on screen. You want to do that? Yeah. Because I don't think I can share two things. <laughs> um, yeah, let me see. And they went straight into, um, uh, after, after that, they went into your guys's, um, gigafactories. And then I see this title of the autopilot. I haven't read it yet. Oh, Mark is muted. Let me, uh, let me put the, uh, Mark muted himself. Either Mark's muted himself or he didn't pick the right audio source. <laughs> right. I have not heard anything from Mark yet at all. So, so in the show chat, I'm going to put the, uh, the link to the document. Okay. And yeah. I've got stream chat. Let's, let's, let's get Mark going on here first before we. Uh, Howdy, everyone. Switch over. For today's conference will begin momentarily. Thank you. Momentarily. <laughs> so it's a different operator. Mere moments to get, get your audio working there. I, I guess I guess we're on Musk time. Because they, they started with like a nice, reasonable countdown, and then they started early, and then we freaked out, and we started. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So, uh, yeah, like at one of their events, they typically start a half hour early, but on these financial calls, uh, I think it's going to be any, any moment now. Yeah. Looks like Mark's getting his audio in order. Continues to focus on V9. Hey, Zach. Hey. <laughs> I didn't know we could have people in these chats. Oh, yes, baby. Right. And we can see what they're talking about. <laughs> oh, look at that. High tech. High tech stuff. In. Yeah. I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to convince them to let me do this on the Tesla Life without having to have passwords and stuff because that's not necessary. They, they said it's a good idea, but they're not. I mean, because it's it's an edge use case for the software, so they're not yeah. they're not trying. Testing one two three. Yay! There's Mark. <laughs> yes, we can hear you now. We can hear him now. Yay! Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was going to say that earlier in the week, Casey posted uh, an article that uh, was uh, something that Patrick would have enjoyed. It was yes. uh, about the delay in Gigafactory Berlin. Oh, who could have ever predicted that? Yeah. <laughs> you wrote the yeah. paperwork. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, they know They know Patrick's not fooling around after that Elon Musk uh, visit at uh, Texas. When, he, when Patrick called him and said, get back to work. That's right. I did. Stop showing off. You're distracting all the construction folks. We need them building that factory. They have some yes. awesome pictures in the newsletter. So, she keeps uh, faking me out with this. Like She comes in like they're getting ready to announce it. And she's like, oh, we're, we're going to start in a minute. Promise. So, um, and Zachary has joined the chat. He looks yeah. like he's the first one. Absolutely. I will... Uh, Share this document, and as soon as uh, they start, I'll, I'll uh... we'll switch it. Yeah, sounds good to me. Okay, Patrick's screen joined. You can see this. We can see. All right, cool. So yeah, this is the uh, Q1 2021 update from Tesla and uh, table of contents. Let's skip that. So uh, here we go. Here's the good stuff. They. Uh, Operational cash flow less CapEx free cash flow of $293 million in just this quarter. So that's awesome. Um, they reduced their debt uh, by over a billion bucks. That's pretty cool. Wow, no one, that's uh, substantial. To, yeah, exactly. And uh, the cool thing there is that that gives them the ability to borrow. And they, they have cash on hand. They have Bitcoin on hand. And, uh, and they didn't retire all of their debt which is um, a lot of companies do that. It's, it's better to have the cash on hand. It's, it's easier to borrow money when you don't need it than when you do. It's good to have these uh, banking partnerships, uh, which they're effectively buying by taking out loans. Um, that, that can actually uh, help in, in a lot of um, areas when you want something done and you have a, a bank that has sway in that region. So, uh, for various reasons, companies keep banking relationships open even when they don't need to. But uh, let's move over to the uh, text over here on the right. While the ASPs of our vehicles declined in Q1, our auto gross margin increased. Uh, so, so let's talk about that. So they're lowering the price. So that's reducing the average selling price and increasing the gross margin. That's exactly what you want to see for a business that's operating efficiently. They're able to reduce their price and make more money on each product. That way, 
the cu more customers are able to come in and buy it and afford it, and they're able to make more money on it. So, I mean, anybody can drop their prices and, and sell more product. Uh, any fool can do that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right? But the hard part is uh, lowering your price and increasing your profit, which is exactly what they've done. That's uh, a great highlight from this. They do talk about, uh, you, you know what's incredible? They're, they're, they're doing this, they're making money. Uh, and we just talked about Berlin. They are building a factory on, in, in Europe and they're building one in, in another continent at the same time. So they're, <laughs> they're investing huge amounts of money and, and still showing the profitability. Uh, and and they're spending that, another one. When, yeah. uh, when Gigafactory Texas was started, <clears throat> they decided to go big uh, with the uh, money they had saved and build all three After portions the at the same time. Is it please be advised that today's conference is yeah, being recorded. Right. If you require any further assistance, please press star zero. I will now hand the conference over to your speaker today, Martin Bieka, Senior Director of Investor Relations. Uh, thank you, Carmen, and good afternoon, everyone. And welcome to Tesla's first quarter 2021 Q&A webcast. I'm joined today by Elon Musk, Zachary Kirkhorn, and a number of other executives. Our Q1 results were announced at about 1 p.m. Pacific time in the update deck we published at the same link as this webcast. During this call, we will discuss our business outlook and make forward-looking statements. These comments are based on our predictions and expectations as of today. Actual events or results could differ materially due to a number of risks and uncertainties, including those mentioned in our most recent filings with the SEC. During the question and answer portion of today's call, please limit yourself to one question and one follow-up. Please press star one now if you would like to join the question queue. But before we jump into Q&A, Elon has some opening remarks. Elon? Uh, great, thank you. Uh, so <clears throat> Q1 2021 was a record quarter on many levels. Uh, Tesla achieved uh, record production, deliveries, and surpassed a billion dollars in non-gap net income for the first time. Uh, and we've seen a real shift in customer perception of electric vehicles, uh, and our demand is the best we've, we've ever seen. So this is, um, we're, talking, we've, we're used to seeing a reduction in demand in the first quarter, uh, and we saw an increase in demand. Uh, this is, that, that exceeded the, the normal uh, seasonal uh, reduction in demand in Q1. Um, so um, Model 3 became the best-selling mid-sized premium sedan uh, in the world. In fact, I should say the, the best-selling uh, luxury sedan of any kind uh, in the world. The, the BMW 3 Series was, for the longest time, the best-selling premium sedan. Uh, it's been exceeded by the Tesla Model 3. And this is only three and a half years into production and with just two factories. Um, for Model 3 to be outselling out its combustion engine competitors, I think this is quite remarkable. In the past couple of quarters, we delivered uh, roughly a quarter million Model 3s, so uh, which translates to an annualized rate of half a million per year. Uh, when it comes to, to Model Y, uh, we think Model Y will be the best-selling car or vehicle of any kind in the world, um, and probably next year. So um, I'm not 100% certain next year, but I think it's, it's quite likely. I'd say more likely than not that in 2022, Model Y is the best-selling car or truck of any kind in the world. Uh, then um, with regard to full self-driving, 
uh, full self-driving beta continues to make uh, great progress. But this is definitely one of the, I think one of the, the hardest technical problems that exists, uh, that's maybe ever existed. And uh, really, in order to solve it, we, we, we basically need to solve a pretty significant part of, of artificial intelligence, of specifically real-world artificial intelligence. Um, and that, that's AI, that, that sort of AI, the, the neural nets need to be compressed into a, a fairly small computer, a, a very efficient computer that we've designed, but nonetheless, you know, a small computer that's using on the order of 70 or 80 watts. Um, so this is, I think, a much harder problem than if you were to use, say, you know, 10,000 computers in a, in a server room or something like that. Uh, this, this has got to fit into a smallish brain. Um, and this, I think with, with the elimination of radar, we, we're finally getting rid of one of the, the last um, crutches. Radar was really, uh, it, it, it was making up for some of the shortfalls of vision, but this is not good. You actually just need vision to work. And when vision works, it works, it, it, it works better than the best human. Um, it's like having eight cameras, it's like having eyes in the back of your head, the sides of your head, and, and, and three eyes at different focal distances looking forward. Um, this is, yeah, um, and, and processing it at a speed that is superhuman. This, this, I, I, there's, no, there's no question in my mind that uh, with a pure vision solution, uh, we can make a car that is dramatically safer than uh, the average person. So, but, but it is a hard problem because we are actually solving something quite fundamental about artificial intelligence. We're, we're, we basically have to solve real-world vision AI, um, and we are. So, um, and key to solving this is also having just a massive data set. So um, just having um, well over a million cars on the road uh, that, are, that are collecting data from uh, very sort of corner case rare situations um, you know, sort of like a, so many weird things in the world, like 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 a you know a, a truck carrying a truck, uh, or um, you know a um, a car with a with a, one example is like a car, an actual example, a car with a kayak on the roof, where the kayak has a little uh, a little weight dangling from the front of the kayak in front of the car. Um, and, and yet the car must ignore this uh, and just just look at the road. Um, so it, it's really quite quite tricky, um, but I am I am highly confident that we will get this done. So yes, uh, this this quarter, and I think we'll continue to see that a, a little bit in Q2 and Q3. Uh, this, so Q, Q1 was was had some of the most difficult supply chain challenges that we've ever experienced in the life of Tesla. Um, insane difficulties with, uh, with supply chains, uh, with, with parts of, of, over the whole range of parts. Um, obviously people have heard about the, the, the chip shortage. This is a, this is a huge problem. Um, but then, it, you know, in, in addition to that, for, for example, we, we, um, 
uh, had quite a bit of difficulty scaling driving our production in China um, uh, because we were unable to get uh, critical engineers there because of, of COVID quarantine restrictions. So, uh, which meant that Tesla Worldwide was dependent on drive units uh, made at our factory in Nevada, Gig Nevada. Um, so that, that was a very challenging situation. I think we're mostly out of that particular problem, but that's just, those are just two of, of many challenges. So the team has really did, done an incredible job of dealing with uh, really severe supply chain shortages. Um, so let's see, with respect to the Model S and X, um, there, there were more challenges than expected in uh, developing the uh, Plaid Model S, or what's called the, the Palladium program, um, which is the, the new version of Model S and X, which has a revised interior um, and a new battery pack and new drive units uh, and new internal electronics. Um, and has, for example, a, a PlayStation 5 level uh, infotainment system. Um, there's just a, a lot of a lot of issues encountered. Um, ensuring that the new factory was as well super safe was, was quite hard as we're working more energy in a smaller space. Uh, so it took quite a bit of uh, of uh, development to ensure that the battery of, of the new SX uh, is safe. Um, and, and we're trying to get get all the details. In the cars slowly uh, for the past few months, but we're we're just stacking them up in the yard and um, and, and and just making refinements to the cars that we built. Um, but we do expect um, to ramp uh, Model S production and start delivering them probably. Uh, next month um, so um, and, and then to be in sort of fairly high volume production for the S in, in Q3 uh, and to start delivering Model X in Q3 as well so um, I think as we as we ramp up I think probably the demand for the new SX will be quite high um, so it's really just going to be a question of ramping supply chain and internal production processes so probably we're, we're like we're, we're going to aim to produce over 2,000 SX per week um, perhaps you know if, if we get lucky upwards of, of 2,400 or 2,500 um, this, this again is contingent on global supply chain issues which are just a lot of factors outside of our control here but but I, I do think we, these things will get sold so it's just a matter of time and, and then we'll be doing well over 2,000 uh, SX per week. Um, and it's, it's a great car. It, it actually costs us less to produce, a little bit less to produce, um, but it is a, a superior product. So in conclusion, there's, there's a lot to be excited about in 2021 and 22. Um, we're building factories as quickly, quickly as we can. Uh, both Texas and Berlin are, are progressing well. And um, we expect to have um, initial limited production from those factories this year uh, and volume production from Texas and Berlin next year. Um, at the same time, we are continuing to ramp production of Model Y in Fremont uh, and Shanghai.
In the background, we're continuing work, development work on the semi cyber truck, uh, the roadster, and other products. Uh, thanks uh, to everyone at Tesla who made this here a huge success. Uh, now, on to questions. Thank you very much. Uh, we have some remarks from Zachary Kirkhorn as well. Okay. Yeah, thanks, Martin. Thanks, Elon. So, congratulations to the Tesla team on breaking multiple records in the first quarter of 21, as Elon had mentioned, which is typically the most difficult of the year for many reasons. To summarize the quarter, I think it's best understood by three key items. First, we successfully launched and began the ramp of Model Y in Shanghai, achieving positive gross margin in the first quarter of production and receiving a great reception from the market. Second, as Elon mentioned, although we began the production process for the Model S during the quarter, we had not yet begun customer deliveries. The reduction in Model S and X deliveries from Q4 to Q1 were a meaningful headwind to free cash flows and profit generation. For example, we incurred an estimated $200 million of direct P&L impact relating to this program in Q1, the majority of which is reflected in COGS and that's before even considering the impact of lost revenue and profits as a result of the transition. And as, he mentioned, as Elon mentioned, we expect the first deliveries to begin shortly. Third, as we continue to work through the instability of the global supply chain, particularly around semiconductors and port capacities, while the Tesla team in partnership with our suppliers did tremendous work keeping our factories running, we did experience high expedite costs in the quarter and they were also higher than they were in Q4 with some minor interruptions to production over the course of the quarter. But we believe that this landscape is improving, but it does remain difficult and it's an evolving situation. If we double click uh, within net income, auto gross margin excluding credits improves sequentially and year over year. This is in spite of the cost mentions for SNX and expedites and a reduction in global ASPs as our cost structure as a company is reducing at an even faster pace. So as we look out over the course of the year, we feel optimistic about our gross margin strength, uh, particularly as some of these headwinds we're experiencing start to be resolved. On services and other margins, these have recovered and are trending towards profitability, aided by strength in the used car business, operational improvements in service, and additional service revenue opportunities that help absorb fixed overheads. On energy gross margins, these remained negative for a second quarter. This is driven by solar roof-related ramp costs and winter seasonality in the lease BPA business. Uh, we continue to manage through a multi-quarter backlog on Powerwall. We're working as fast as we can to increase production, and this will aid in profitability of this business as those volumes increase. Uh, on operating expenses, these increased for Q1. Uh, which is driven by our investments in technology and growth. In particular for R&D, this includes the structural battery pack and 4680 cells, uh, investments in the new SNX, and um, our neural net and silicon investments. On the SG&A side, we're setting up infrastructure and support for both China and EMEA in anticipation of volume to come there. And as I've said before, our plans show that we remain on track for sustained industry-leading operating margins. Uh, Double-clicking on, on cash flows, we continue to generate positive free cash flows, and this was despite the significant working capital headwinds from SNX. Additionally, we are making progress reducing various forms of debt. We also invested $1.5 billion in Bitcoin during the quarter, then trimmed our position by 10%, 
which contributed to a small gain in our Q1 financials. Taking a step back, we've generated $8 billion in operating cash flows and $4 billion in free cash flows over the past four quarters. As we look forward, uh, our plans remain unchanged for long-term growth of 50% annually, and we believe we're on track to exceed that this year as we guided to last quarter. Uh, Global demand remains meaningfully higher than production levels, and so we're driving as, as fast as we can to increase our production rates. As we think about Q2 and Q3, these quarters should largely be driven by execution on SNX, as we've discussed, continued ramp of Model Y in Shanghai, and the associated cost reductions of these programs. Um, And we expect profitability and cash generation to evolve over the course of the year in line with those improvements. And then as we get towards the end of the year, our story will pivot towards the launch and ramp of our newest factories in Austin and Berlin. So there's certainly no shortage of exciting things for us to work on and look forward to. Uh, Thank you, and we'll open it up for questions. Thank you very much. And we'll first take retail questions from uh, Say uh, website. The first question is, how is Dojo coming along? Could Dojo unlock an AWS-like business line for Tesla over the next few years? That's got to be an Elon question. Come on. It's a good one, though. Oh, yeah. (laughs) They're wondering how much they could say. That was a good question, but nobody's answering. Yeah, I'll I'll jump in here. So, you know, with with respect to Jojo. Sorry, sorry, that guy. My apologies. I was on mute. (laughs) Oh, go ahead, Elon. Um, (laughs) He's real. um, Yeah, I was just basically saying that. the it, although like right now people think of Tesla as a lot of people think Tesla is a car company or perhaps an energy company. Um, I think long term people will think of Tesla as much as an AI robotics company as we are a car company or an energy company. Um, I think we are developing one of the strongest hardware and software AI teams in the world. Um, certainly, we, we appear to be, be able to do uh, things with full self-driving that, that others uh, cannot. So, um, and if you look at the evolution of uh, of what technologies we developed, um, we developed them in, in order to solve the problem of self-driving. So, we we couldn't find a powerful enough neural net and a computer, so we designed and and built our own. Um, the the software out there was 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 uh, really quite primitive for this task, and so we built a team from scratch, um, and um, and have been developing what we think is probably the most advanced real world uh, AI in the world. Um, and then it sort of makes sense that this is kind of what needs to happen because the, the road system is designed for a neural net computer, our brain. Our brain is a neural net computer. Uh, and it's designed, the, the entire road system is designed for vision with neural with a neural net computer, which is because it's designed for eyes in a brain. Um, and so if you have a system which has very good eyes, uh, you can see in all directions at once, you can see three focal points ahead or forward, uh, but it never gets tired. It's never t- sort of texting. Um, it has redundancy um, and its reaction time uh, 
is superhuman, then it seems pretty obvious that, that such a system would achieve an extremely high level of safety far in excess of the average person. So that's, that's what, what, we're, what we're doing. Um, then Dojo is kind of the training part of that. So um, because we're, we're, we have over a million cars and you know, perhaps you know, next year we'll have two million cars in active use um, providing vast amounts of video training data that then needs to be digested by, by a very powerful training system. Now, currently, we use uh, it's Tesla training software. So we have a lot of we develop a lot of training software, uh, a lot of uh, labeling software to do um, so to be able to do uh, surround video labeling, uh, which is quite tricky. Um, this means all eight cameras simultaneously at 36 frames a second per camera, uh, labeling video over time. Um, there wasn't any tool that existed for this, so we developed our own labeling tool. Then taking it a step further, obviously the, you know, the, the holy grail is auto labeling. So now we're, we're getting quite good at auto labeling, where we do, we do, where that the trainers train the training system um, and, and then the system auto labels the, the data and, and then the, the label, the human labels just need to look at the labeling to confirm that it is correct and perhaps make edits. And then every time an edit is made, that further trains the system. So it's kind of like a flywheel that's just sort of spinning up. Um, and, and really the only way to do this is with vast amounts of video data. Um, so then we need to train this efficiently. So Dojo is really a, uh, it, it is a supercomputer optimized for neural net training. Um, we think Dojo will be probably an order of magnitude more efficient on, a, on say, I'm not sure what the exact right metric is, but say per frame of video, uh, we think it'll be an order of magnitude more cost efficient in hardware and in uh, energy usage per frame of video compared to a GPU-based solution or compared to the next best solution that we're aware of. Um, so then, then, you know, possibly that could be used by others. Um, it does seem as though over time, I mean, just as just a, an observation, I think basically just a fact that um, neural net-based computing or, you know, you know uh, AI-based computing is a more and more of the compute stack. Um, we, we, conventional computing, computing perhaps heuristics-based uh, uh, computing um, is still going to be important, still going to be very important. Um, but uh, it, it, it will become, but, but neural net will become a, a bigger and bigger portion of, um, of compute. Uh, so anyway, um, that was a long story, but I think, yeah, probably others will want to use it too, and we'll make it available. 
Thank you very much. Uh, let's go to the second question from uh, retail investors. Uh, the recent price changes on solar roof have been discouraging uh, for customers and investors. Could Tesla share more about solar roof challenges uh, and if uh, the outlook has, uh, has changed at all, uh, i.e. 1,000 uh, roofs per week? Yeah, first of all, I should say that the, the demand for the solar roof remains strong. So despite uh, raising the price, the demand is still um, significantly in excess of our ability to uh, to meet the demand to to install the solar roofs. So production is going fine, but but we are choked at the installation point. Um, we we did find that we we basically made some significant mistakes in uh, in assessing the difficulty of certain roofs, but the complexity of roofs varies dramatically. Some roofs are to be literally two or three times easier than other roofs. Um, so you just can't have a one-size-fits-all situation. Uh, if a roof has a lot of protuberances, um, or if the roof, or, or if the roof, uh, sort of uh, the core structure of the roof uh, is uh, is rotted out or is not not, not strong enough to hold the solar roof, uh, then the the cost can be you know, two or can be double, sometimes three times uh, what we what our initial quotes were. Um, so, in, in those cases, what we obviously offer to do is to, you know, refund customers their deposit, um, uh, and uh, but, but what we cannot do is is go and, and just lose a massive amount of money. Um, we, we just got to provide a refund of the of the deposit. Um, but but that's what is um, I think most important about the solar situation. Which I tweeted about you know, this past week is that we're shifting the whole uh, the whole sort of solar situation, so the solar power, basically solar plus battery situation, to there's only one product, basically, or there's, there's only one one configuration. Every house, we 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 will not sell a house solar without a power wall. Um, the, that solar could either be solar retrofit, you know, with conventional panels put on a roof, or it can be the Tesla solar glass roof. Uh, but in all cases, it will have the Powerwall 2. Technically, this is, this is it's actually Powerwall 2 plus, if you will. Um, the, the plus refers to a higher peak power capability. Um, so uh, basically, all Powerwalls made since roughly November of last year uh, have um, a lot more peak power capability than uh, than, than, than the specification on the website. Um, the, it, it, they have about twice the, the, the power capability, roughly. It depends on how you count power, but uh, about twice, the, about twice the, the, the peak power, and about you know, arguably twice the, the, the steady state power of, of the specification on the website. The energy is the same, but the power is, is roughly double. Um, and uh, all installations, uh, so all installations will have the power wall, and the uh, the difficulty of the installation will will dramatically increase. The, the difficulty of the, the, the installation will will be will be much less. It'll be much easier because uh, the the power from the from the solar roof, solar glass roof, or the the solar panels will only ever go to directly into the power wall. And the power wall 
will only ever go between the utility mains, or between the utility of, and, the, and the, the main power panel of the, of the house, uh, which means you never need to touch the main circuit breakers of the house. You, don't, you never need to touch the house circuit breakers. Effectively, almost every house therefore looks the same electrically instead of being a unique work of art and requiring uh, exceptional um, ability to rewire the main panel. So uh, th th this is extremely important for scalability. It's the, it's the only way to do it, really. Um, and th this also means that, that every uh, solar powerwall installation, that the, the, the house or farm or whatever the case may be, uh, will be will be its own utility. And so even if all the lights go out in the neighborhood, you will still have power. So that, that gives people energy security. Um, and we can also, in working with the utilities, uh, use the power walls to, to stabilize the overall grid. So let's say that there's a, uh, like if there was in Texas, there was, there was a, a peak power demand. And, and that peak power demand, because the grid uh, lacked the ability to buffer the power, uh, they had to shut down power. There's no power, no power storage, no good, no good form of power storage. However, with a whole bunch of, of power walls at houses, um, we can actually buffer the, 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 the power. So, if, so if, if the grid needs more power, we can actually then, um, with the consent, obviously, of the homeowner and, the, and, and in partnership with the utility, uh, we, we can then actually uh, release power onto the grid to take care of uh, peak power demands. So effectively, the power walls can operate as a giant distributed utility. This is profound. I'm not sure how many people will actually understand this, but this is extremely profound and necessary because we are headed towards a world where, uh, as, as we were just talking about earlier, where people are moving towards electric vehicles. This will mean that the, the power needs uh, in, in, at homes and businesses will increase significantly. We will, there will need to be a bunch more electricity coming somewhere. Um, in fact, if you go to full, full renew, renewable electricity, we need about three times as much electricity as we currently have. That, so uh, these are rough numbers, but you roughly need twice, roughly need twice as much electricity if, if, if all transport goes electric, and then you need three times as much electricity if all heating goes electric. So basically, this is a prosperous future, I think both for, for Tesla and for the utilities. Because, and, and in fact, I think this will, this will be very, if, if this is not done, the utilities will fail to serve their customers. They won't be able to do it. They won't be able to react fast enough. Um, and we're gonna see more and more of, of what we see, see in California and Texas, of, of, of uh, people seeing brownouts and blackouts and utilities not being able to respond because the, because of the, there's a massive change going on with the transition to electric transport and we're seeing more extreme weather events. This is a recipe for disaster. Uh, so it is very important uh, to have uh, solar and batteries at the, at the local level at the house. Uh, in addition, it is important to have uh, large battery storage at the utility level um, so that uh, solar and wind which are the main forms of 
renewable electricity uh, can be that electricity can be stored because sometimes the wind doesn't blow. Um, sometimes it blows a lot. Uh, sometimes it blows too much, and sometimes it doesn't blow enough. Uh, but if you have a battery, you can store the energy and provide it, the energy to the grid as needed. The same goes for solar because obviously the sun does not shine at night, uh, and sometimes it is very cloudy. And so uh, by having uh, battery storage paired with solar and wind, this is the long-term solution to a sustainable energy future. Um, and as I said, this, this really needs to occur both at the local level and at the utility level. It, it, the, if, if it doesn't occur at the, at the local level, what will actually be required is a, a massive increase in power lines, uh, in uh, power plants. So they have to put long distance, long distance and local power lines all over the place. They'll have to increase the size of the substations. Uh, it's a nightmare. This must occur. There must be solar plus battery. It's the only way. So, yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, and the next retail question is, Master of Coin, can you tell us anything about Tesla's future plans in digital currency space or when any such major developments might be revealed? Sure. Thanks, Martin. Um, so, as I noted in our opening remarks, and we've announced previously, so Tesla did um, invest $1.5 billion into Bitcoin in Q1, and then we subsequently sold a 10% stake in that. We also allow customers to make uh, vehicle deposits and final vehicle uh, purchases using Bitcoin. And so, where our, our Bitcoin story began, maybe just to share a little of the context here, um, Elon and I were looking for a place to store cash that wasn't being immediately used, uh, try to get some level of return on this, but also preserve liquidity, You know, particularly as we look forward to the launch of Austin and Berlin and uncertainty that's happening with semiconductors and uh, port capacity. Being able to access our cash very quickly is super important to us right now. And you know, there, there aren't many traditional opportunities to do this, or at least that we found and in talking to others that we could get good feedback on particularly with yields being so low and without taking on additional risk or sacrificing liquidity. And, um, and Bitcoin seemed at the time and, and so far has proven to be uh, a good decision, uh, a good place to place some of our cash that's not immediately being used for daily operations or, or maybe not needed till the end of the year and um, be able to get some return on that. And, you know, I, I think one of the key points that I want to make about our experiences in the digital currency space is that there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic here. You know, we're certainly watching it very closely at Tesla, watching how the market develops, listening to what our customers are saying. But, you know, thinking about it from a corporate treasury perspective, we've been quite pleased with how much liquidity there is in, in the Bitcoin market. So our, our ability to build our first position happened very quickly. Uh, when we did the sale later in March, we also were able to execute on that very quickly. And so as we think about kind of global liquidity for the business and risk management, uh, being able to get cash in and out of the markets is something that I think is exceptionally important for us. So we do believe long-term in the value of Bitcoin, so it is our intent to hold what we have long-term and continue to accumulate Bitcoin from uh, transactions from our customers as they purchase vehicles. You know, specifically with respect to things we may do, you know, th there are things that we're constantly discussing. We're not planning to make any announcements here. 
and we're watching this space closely. So when we're ready to make an announcement on this front, if there's one to come, you know, we'll certainly let you all know. Thank you. Um, and the fourth question from uh, retail investors is, uh, does Tesla have any proactive plans to tackle mainstream media's imminent, massive, and uh, deceptive uh, clickbait headline uh, campaigns on safety of autopilot or FSD, uh, perhaps specialty PR job of some sort? Uh, well, uh, I can, I'll take this one, guys. From, from the safety side, I continue to say, uh, say if you want to, safety is driving yeah. point and all. Go ahead, Elon. I know, I think, if, 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 please go ahead. Uh, if, I think it's perhaps worth just uh, going through the facts of the, uh, what, uh, I mean, specifically, there, there were, uh, there was an article regarding um, a, a tragedy where, where uh, there was a high-speed accident in, in Tesla, uh, uh, and it was re really just um, extremely deceptive uh, media practice, practices where it was claimed to be autopilot, where this is completely false. Uh, and those journalists should be ashamed of themselves. Uh, please go ahead, Lars. Yeah, thanks, Elon. So I was just saying we're, we're committed to safety in all our designs, and that's, you know, number one in what we do here. Um, regarding the crash in Houston specifically, we worked directly with uh, the local authorities, NTSB and NHTSA, wherever applicable, and whenever they reach out to us for help directly on the engineering level and whatever else we can support. Um, in that vein, we did a, a, a study with them uh, over the past week um, to understand what happened in that particular crash, and what we've learned from that uh, effort was that auto steer did not and could not engage on the road condition that, uh, as it was designed. Uh, our adaptive cruise control only engaged when a driver was buckled in above five miles per hour, um, and it only accelerated to 30 miles per hour over the distance um, uh, before the car crashed. Um, as well, uh, adaptive cruise control disengaged the car slowly to complete to a stop uh, when the driver's seatbelt was unbuckled. Through further investigation of the vehicle and the uh, accident remains, um, we inspected the car with NTSB and NHTSA and the local police and were able to find that the steering wheel was indeed deformed, so there must leading to the likelihood that someone was in the driver, driver's seat at the time of the crash, and all seatbelts post-crash were found to be unbuckled. Um, we were unable to recover the data from the, the, uh, data, uh, the SD card at the time of impact, but the local authorities are working on doing that, and we await their report. Um, as I said, we, we continue to hold safety in a high regard and, 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 and um, look to improve our products in the future uh, through this kind of data and other uh, information from the field. Okay, uh, thank you very much. Uh, let's go to the next question from institutional investors. Uh, the first question is, uh, proponents of alternative grid storage technologies claim that lithium-ion is unsuited for long-term storage at scale due to vampire drain. Could 4680 uh, cells address this limitation? Is the limitation even relevant <laughs> for charging the energy equation? Um. Uh, yeah, I, just let me yep. jump in on the vampire drain. Yeah. That's definitely not the issue. A good uh, lithium-ion cell self-discharges less than 0.001% of its energy per day. So it, it has the vampire drain is maybe not separate. No. Yeah. <laughs> as, as mythical as vampires. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think 
I think the challenge with seasonal storage is your value proposition drops from hundreds of useful full cycles per day, per year to less than maybe 10 or maybe even less than five cycles per year. Um, so it's just a different type of technology, you know, altogether that would make sense, given that it's more than an order of magnitude different use case. Yeah. I mean, we've got a long way to go before we're dealing with seasonal technology uh, issues. Um, but, but certainly a way to deal with seasonal technology uh, would be to um, have uh, wind and solar um, growing on the side of more more southerly latitudes, um, and and uh, but but then across uh, a variety of longitudes. So essentially, like let's say in the U.S., for example, if there was uh, you know I'm not sure if you'll understand that you you can actually power the entire United States with just sort of a hundred roughly a a hundred mile by 100 mile grid of solar. Um, sometimes people don't, don't quite understand like, well, how much solar is needed to power the United States? Almost almost nothing of the of the, the United States required to power the United States. And this is true of, of almost any country in the world. Um, the solar incidence is a gigawatt per square kilometer. This is insane. Uh, in fact, if you took the clear area, just the, the area or saying for nuclear power plants, the area that is considered not usable uh, because a nuclear power plant is there, in most cases, if you just put solar there, it would generate more power than in, in the nuclear power plant. This is because they typically have pretty wide clear areas. Um, so uh, it really so, so and um, if you have say 25% efficient solar panels um, and and then those are 80% efficient in, in how they're laid out. You're going to do about 200 megawatts per square kilometer. Uh, this is, therefore, you know, five square kilometers is a gigawatt, which might be a, a typical sort of power plant. Um, it, it's really not much area at all. And a lot of places can have wind and solar, same place. So, um, Anyway, it's entirely possible to power all of Earth with a small percentage of Earth's area. Um, and then to transmit that power uh, through um, high voltage DC lines, no new technology, no, no, uh, you don't need like, um, you know, room temperature superconductors. This is a total, also another myth. Room temperature superconductors, uh, almost irrelevant in my opinion, almost irrelevant. <laughs> Um, low-cost, long-distance power lines using copper or aluminum or very important. Um, so heating is I squared R. So that's current squared times time resistance. So as you increase voltage, uh, you Looks like we had a little technical difficulties.
Austin, Casey, you getting the feedback? Do a zillion terawatts overnight. There we go. You've got to build the, the production capacity for the cells, uh, for the battery cells, for the solar cells. You've got to put that into vehicles. You've got to put that into stationary storage packs. You've got to put that into solar panels and solar glass roofs. And you've got to deploy all this thing, all, all this stuff. But, but it is certainly the case that we can accelerate this. Um, and we should try to accelerate it. Um, and uh, the, the, the right thing to do, I think, from an economic standpoint, and I think almost any economist would agree, is to have a common tax, um, just as we have a tax on um, cigarettes and alcohol, uh, which we think are more likely to be bad than good. And we, we tend to tax fruit, fruit and vegetables less. Well, the same should be true. We should, we should tax energy that we think is probably bad and support energy we think is probably good, just like cigarettes and alcohol versus fruits and vegetables. Um, it's just common sense. Um, and, uh, you know, but I guess on the plus side, I'm not suggesting anyone be complacent. But sustainable energy, renewable energy will be sold. It is being sold, but it matters how fast we solve it. And if we solve it faster, that's better for the world. Thank you very much. And, and there's, 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 no, there's no question in my mind whatsoever that the energy storage problem can be solved with lithium-ion batteries. Zero. I want to be clear. Zero. Um, I, I think the bias will tend to be uh, towards um, iron-based uh, lithium-ion cells. When people say lithium-ion, people think lithium must be a, a, a big constituent of the cells. It, it's, it's more like 1% to 2% of the cell is lithium. Um, the, the, the main part of the cell is the cathode. The, the main mass and cost in the cell is the cathode. For high-energy uh, cells, um, like, for example, what we, what we use in most uh, most houses have, have nickel-based lithium-ion cells, which have higher energy density, longer range than iron-based cells. However, stationary storage, uh, the energy density is not as important because um, it's just sitting on the ground. And so uh, I think the vast majority of stationary storage will be uh, iron-based iron um lithium ion cells with an iron cap iron, uh, iron phosphate cathode technically but i think the phosphate part is unnecessary it's really just iron and nickel um unnecessary in the terminology i just, just think of it as iron and nickel uh, and this there's an, an insane amount of iron in the world uh, more iron than we could possibly use uh, and there's also more lithium than we could possibly use basically there is no shortage of anything whatsoever in iron phosphate lithium ion cells Thank you very much. Uh, let's go to the next question uh, from institutional investors, which is, uh, you've suggested that between a, a 5x to 10x improvement is achievable in the automotive production versus the uh, uh, versus the first Model 3 line on the first uh, principles physics analysis. Uh, where does Berlin sit? Where does Berlin sit relative to that limit? Oh, I, I think we're still, we're still quite far away from it. Um, I mean, the, the thing to bear in mind with with production is, uh, for those who have ne who've never done production, they just don't understand how insanely hard production is. Um, I, I want to really be very, very emphatic here. Prototypes are trivial. They're child's play. 
production is hard. It is very hard. Now you say production at, 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 very, at large scale with higher liability and low cost, insanely difficult. But what, what Tesla achieved on the automotive side was not to create an electric car. The, the truly profound thing on the, on the car side is that Tesla was the first American car company to achieve volume production of a car in 100 years and not go bankrupt. So this is, this, this, I basically, myself and many others at Tesla had to basically have several aneurysms to get this done. It was, it was so hard to have no idea. So anyway, and the thing about making a large complex manufactured object is let's say you have first order approximation, 10,000 unique items. If even one of those items is slow, that sets your weight. Just one. Doesn't matter how so trivial. We've we've had uh, production production stop because of carpet in the trunk. We had production stop because of a USB cable. At one point, for the model S, the we literally raided every uh, electronics store in the Bay Area <laughs> for, for for a few days there. Nobody could buy a USB cable in the Bay Area because we, we, we went and bought them all to put them in the car, um, <laughs> literally. And there's, there's like hundreds of stories like that. So anyway, that, that's the, solving that, those constraints and, 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 a, and a logistics problem that makes World War II look trivial. I, I'm not kidding. Like the scale is insane. Um, you know, we're talking millions of cars. Massive global supply chain, um, 50 countries, uh, dozens of regulatory regimes. Um, it's insane. So, yeah. Thank you. Uh, and the last question from institutional investor is um, Master Plan uh, Part 2 talks about an urban transport vehicle that is smaller than traditional bus with greater uh, aerial density achieved by removing the central aisle. Do you have any updates to share on this goal? Not at this time. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, so let's uh, uh, move to analyst Q&A. Thank you. First question is from Pierre Ferrago with New Street Research. Your line is open. Uh, hi, guys. Thanks a lot for taking my question. Um, I'd love to get actually an update on what you, you presented on the battery day. Uh, in the last six, seven months, I, won't, I was wondering how much progress you've made uh, on that front, first in terms of process development. So how are things coming together on your pilot line? Are you getting to the kind of... Uh, production throughput you were aiming for, and, and second, actually, on your production ramp. So I was wondering in, in which sites you're ramping production capacity for the, the 4680 cell, uh, and, and where you stand uh, on, uh, on ramping up that capacity as well. And I'll have a quick follow-up on energy as well, if that's possible. Well, um, so we're, we're, we have the, and Kofi this, but, uh, we, we have the, the, the our small sort of pilot plant, which is still big by normal standards. 
expect to have like a 10 gigawatt per year, gigawatt hour per year capability uh, in um, Fremont, California. Um, and uh, we've made quite a few cells. Um, we're not we're not quite yet at the point where we think the cells are re reliable enough to be shipped in cars, um, but we're getting close to that point. Um, and um, and then we're, we're, we've already, uh, you know, uh, ordered um, most of the equipment for battery production uh, in Berlin, uh, and uh, and then and, and then much of it for Austin as well. Um, so we're, we're really down to like the nitty gritty elements. Um, but overall, I think we still feel quite optimistic about uh, this achieving volume production of the 4680 next year. Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, just one thing I would add is there's been a lot of questions about uh, yields. Actually, I noticed people asking about that. And, uh, you know, the yield progress has been really strong uh, every day. And we were really still in commissioning phase. With, we were really still in commissioning phase with most of the tools uh, to the point where we're confident that the yield trajectory aligns with our internal cost projections. Um, we did talk about yield also at Battery Day, which is one of the reasons why it's useful to check in on that. Um, you know, it takes a while, as Elon just mentioned, to go from uh, prototype to production. And it's not just parts, it's processes, it's equipment. Um, but as we've matured those pieces of the process, the process equipment, we've we've gotten to where we need to be on, on the yield side. Yeah, and basically, this is just a guess because we don't know for sure, but it appears as though we are about 12, but probably not more than 18 months away from volume production of the 4680. Um, now, at the same time, we, we are actually trying to have our, our sales supply partners uh, ramp up their supply as much as possible. So this is not uh, something that is to the exclusion of suppliers. It is in, in conjunction with suppliers. Um, so yeah. we're, you know, we're, we want to be super clear about that. This is not about replacing suppliers. It is about supplementing uh, the suppliers. So um, we have a very strong partnership with with CATL, with Panasonic, and LG. Um, and we would, our request to our um, strategic partners for cell supply is, please make as, please supply us with as as much as you possibly can. Um, provided the price is affordable, we will buy uh, everything that they can make. Order. Yeah, yeah. And specific to that, we've we're on track to more than double the supplier capacity over the next 13. Yeah, we, we, we exactly. We, we do expect from suppliers willing to receive double the sell output next year versus this year. Yep. Okay. And I had a quick follow-up on um, um, maybe Zach for you on your energy business. So I understand uh, like the negative gross margin with uh, solar roof uh, RAM, but I was wondering, you know, what do gross margin look like there when you look at the storage business and where you, your, what's your ambition in terms of gross margin in uh, in that business? As I guess it's going to grow uh, to grow in the mix in uh, in coming years. So it's uh, it's important for long-term modeling yeah we're we're seeing yeah. a lot of oh. uh, 
we're, we're aiming for comparable margins in storage as in as in vehicle. Um, but but it is important to bear in mind that vehicle is more mature than the storage. So uh, we, we already are at good margins with the power wall. Um, but some additional work is needed for the mega pack to achieve good margins. Yeah. Drew, what do you think? Thank you. Yeah. I, I, sorry, just jumping in, Elon. Absolutely agree. Yeah. Uh, Powerwall is mature. We've been producing Powerwall 2 for three years now, and, and we're at good margins there. But Megapack has more room to go to achieve our targets. We have a, we have a clear runway for improving the, the cost for the megawatt hour of the Megapack. Absolutely. Yes, we do. Thank you. Let's go to the next question, please. From Rod, from Rod Lackey with Wolf Research. Please go ahead. Hi, everybody. Um, I was hoping maybe just first you could talk a little bit about um, how you're thinking about the rollout of version 9 of FSD and uh, the transition to the subscription model. It, it sounds like some, some of this is about to roll out next month. I'm not sure if that's the subscription model, but uh, maybe you could just uh, spend a little time talking about how impactful you, you expect that to be. Again. Yeah, we're working on um, getting FSD subscription out. And th there's a couple of internal technical dependencies, but from a business model perspective, that's aligned, and uh, we're hoping to roll that out soon. The, the key thing that I say here, um, th there's a lot of potential for recurring revenue based on an FSD subscription. Um, the if you look at the size of our fleet and you look at the number of customers uh, who did not purchase FSD up front or on a lease and maybe want to experiment with FSD, this is a great option for them. Um, you know, One of the things we'll need to keep an eye on is a potential transition from cash purchases of FSD subscription over to or cash purchases of FSD who may move over to FSD subscription. And so there could be a period of time in which you know, cash reduces in the near term, and then as the portfolio of subscription customers builds up, then that becomes um, a pretty strong business for us over time. Uh, but we're hoping to get this launched pretty soon and um, and see what the response is to it. Okay, uh, great. And I um, was hoping, Zach, maybe you could just talk a little bit about OPEX. Um, there was a noticeable increase, e even excluding uh, SBC, uh, obviously, a lot going on this quarter, but can you maybe just talk a little bit about how we should be thinking about that uh, going forward? Sure. Um, on the R&D side, you know, what we're seeing, as I mentioned in my opening remarks, is um, kind of a convergence of a series of programs that are happening. And, and our R&D OPEX spend kind of correlates to where we are in the product life cycle on different programs. And so we're you know, kind of at the tail end of investments in uh, what we call internally Palladium, which is the new Model S and Model X. And uh, and so we expect that to decrease over time, but uh, it was high in Q1 uh, for a lot of the reasons that Elon had mentioned. You know, we're also getting very heavy into 4680 development that Drew and team are working on and the associated structural battery pack that goes along with that. And so these are new technologies, uh, not only new to Tesla, but new to the industry. And so we're investing heavily there on an R&D side. 
to work out those kinks. And, you know, spend along along in those areas, you know, should continue over time as we continue to work through the development cycle of those. Um, and then I also mentioned, you know, Elon talked a bit about, you know, Dojo and the, and the potential there. So from neural net investments and custom silicon investments, these continue to be areas that we spend on and make investments in. Um, on the SG&A side, uh, you know, the business is pivoting very quickly to be global. And uh, China is ramping quite quickly. And, and we're trying to uh, make sure that we are staying ahead of the volume so that we have the right sales capacity, store capacity there, uh, local investments in IT and others to manage the growth, such that as the growth comes, the execution challenges are smaller than maybe in similar periods of growth that we've seen in the past. And uh, and so we're making investments there ahead of the growth. And, and overall, as we look at OPEX as a percentage of revenue over the course of the year, we do expect to see a substantial drop from 2020 to 2021 as the volumes in the latter part of the year pick up. Thank you. Let's go to the next question, please. Thank you from Dan Levy with Credit Suisse. Your line is open. Hi, uh, good evening, thanks. Um, two, two questions. Uh, one is, is on COGS. I think we've gotten from Battery Day a pretty good feel about the potential for COGS reduction related to powertrain, but I'd like to get a sense of the path to reducing COGS X powertrain is uh, you'd still need a meaningful reduction on that front uh, to make the math work on a $25,000 vehicle. So what levers do you have to reducing your cost X powertrain? Is it just more scale, better supplier pricing, or is it just based on ongoing cost reductions? Uh I mean, I think uh, all of the above. Yeah, I mean, on, on the on the vehicle side, there's plenty of opportunity as well. Obviously, building a car like a Model S is quite complex and has various moving parts. Model 3 and Model Y were steps of improvement in that. But when you look at some of the other advancements that we're including in the Model Y factories into Austin and Berlin, uh, we've reduced the body part count by as much as 60% and the part cost money. So um, we continue to find optimizations there as well as we get economies of scale. When we start to talk about the volumes, we're considering worldwide with four factories building the same vehicle. Um, so both of those things uh, on the vehicle side will improve our COGS as well, and, and the powertrain continues to be integrated into that. Great. And then just related, you know, as we see uh, Berlin and, and Austin ramp, I'd, I'd like to just get a sense on the comparison of Fremont versus the new capacity. Obviously, Fremont non-optimized because you bought, uh, you know, the old NUMI facility. You had to retrofit that to your needs. So maybe you can give us a sense of how uh, your new capacity is going to differ versus Fremont. What are the areas that you have efficiencies that you previously didn't have? And maybe, you know, how much does that add up to uh, improved COGS uh, over time to help you achieve that $25,000 vehicle? Uh, yeah, I don't think we, we don't want to talk too much about um, future product development. Uh, the, the, the earnings calls are not not the right place for um, yeah, to make 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 major product announcements. So it's, yeah, we, we'll get there. 
Thank you very much. Unfortunately, this is all the time we have for today. Thank you very much for dialing in and for listening, and we'll speak to you again in about three months. Thank you. Thanks, Laura. This concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now discuss. Oh, I'm muted. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, what did you guys think of the uh, the questions that came up? Um, valid, uh, disappointed, bonehead? What do you think? <laughs> Boring bonehead questions. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were fine. It's, uh, I like the fact that um, they, they tried to uh, bait Musk into giving away some stuff and he was just like no because four years ago he would have totally went for it and just told them everything they asked <laughs> he's learned how to play this game a little better now <laughs> yeah he's definitely learning the game of the press a little bit better yeah he's, he's although i noticed that um he seems to always have to jump in to the question uh, and answer it, it's it, 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 like uh, some of his uh, other executives kind of hesitate uh, if they hear even an, a, um, you know, an interruption or a, a, a noise from Elon. It was like, oh, go ahead, Elon, because uh, he seems to he seems to be want to be the spokesman always. Yeah, definitely. Uh, has some, and he's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he's not the best public speaker either. So it's like. Sometimes kind of wish he'd let his, his other executives speak a little bit more, but it is nice to hear it straight from his mouth as well. Yeah. Because we, we all know who's running the show there. <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did we lose Casey? I'm not uh, sure. He had to take a quick oh. break. He'll be right back. All right. Um. I thought that these, the uh, stuff about losing radar was interesting. How it, it has been filling in some of the gaps that Vision had, which makes sense early on. When Vision system wasn't very good, you needed it. Now, however, they're running into this where Vision says one thing and radar says something else. Which one do you trust? And uh, that's one of the things... Casey mentioned in the chat there was, uh, is, is this why we've been seeing phantom braking problems? And uh, it makes sense if you have two systems and one of them says, hey, you're about to hit something, you should probably listen to it and stop. But uh, if, if uh, you really do trust the vision system and it's, it says there's nothing there, then that's the right way to go. Oh, absolutely. I agree. Um, it, at this point, it's just like noise, right? They, they, it's, and like you said, if you're getting conflicting information, you're always going to err on the side of caution, which is why you get all that phantom braking. This is better to break, you know, just in case. Do, do we know that radar is the cause of phantom braking? Do we know it for a fact? We don't know it for a fact, but they have hinted that that's what's causing it because uh, with radar, you don't know where vertically uh, your your large signatures are coming from. Uh, you can kind of tell a little bit better uh, on, on, on perpendicular to your travel, but um, even then it's kind of hard to tell stuff that's close to the road but not on the road because of the way the returns happen. 
Yeah, there were some good comments in our chat section during that too. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah. like uh, Michael was saying, I, I, I'm, I am glad they addressed the Texas incident because that's been getting a lot of, of, of uh, publicity lately. Yeah. I kind of wish they didn't wait this long to do it, but maybe they didn't have everything till this morning. So, I mean, it was a very detailed response and I was glad to hear it that uh, they, didn't, they didn't him and all about it. And they, they did say, by the way, this is still ongoing. We'll let you know more when it's done. So that was that was the responsible way to handle that. You know that that of course the, the media though gets the you know the the initial kick at the can and they can they can push the story out far and wide with little to no facts uh, because it's it's you know they they've got the publicity box to do it and of course the uh, the other media outlets are more than happy to pick up uh, another Tesla story and push it out. So uh, it, it is a problem. Especially if it's negative. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Like it, there, there is a problem with it. Um, it's, but uh, as we've said previous times, Tesla basically runs a double-edged sword. They, they get a lot of free publicity, but if something goes wrong, that is publicized greatly as well. Yeah, that's why I kind of think that they should do uh, bring back the media team. That way you've got somebody other than Elon uh, to answer all hours of the night, even if it's a uh, no comment yet or we'll respond later. That way you don't get the, the hit pieces that say, oh, yeah, we called Tesla. They didn't answer. It's been eight months since our last answer from them or however long it's been. <laughs> yeah. Somebody who's trained in, in wrangling them and they're, they're weird. It's probably questions. a good idea. Like... Like, there's reasons to have a, a media a wing, and that's certainly one of them. Um, yeah. Not yeah, they, sure. they should definitely have a PR team. Yeah, not sure why they decided to eliminate it completely, um, but I think it's I think it's a bad call uh, to continually allow it to be absent. Well, I'm sure it was a financial decision. They they looked at it and they, they figured. I can't believe that. Not not at not at this point. Tesla is. No, nah, I, I mean because if you think about it, they they probably evaluate everything financially. Like okay. Are we getting our money's worth out of this? What are we getting out of this? And right now, they're so constrained that they're not trying to advertise. They're not trying to sell more stuff. They're not trying to gain more demand. They have a higher demand than they can put out. They're battery, battery constrained. So they probably look at it as, okay, we're, we don't want to create, try to create more demand. We don't have a need to, to advertise or anything like that. So we're going to scale back when it comes to to any of that type of stuff, but and that might the, be part of their calculus. The, if that's the case, then you know we're only talking a couple of people. You know, ones to deal with fires, and as Casey mentioned, uh, you know, put out a statement in the middle of the night that uh, we will respond to this later. Uh, I can't see that being a big expense. Uh, you're right; that wouldn't be a big expense. Um, I don't know. Make, make I, it I, interim I some payment stock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think they should have a, a PR team at, at minimal. I mean, they don't have to advertise necessarily have a whole big advertising budget to which they never have had. Right. They, they've never you've never seen a commercial for them on, on TV or anything like that. But at the same time, they should have a PR team to at least put out some fires. Yeah, that's that's the kind I'm thinking of. Is there's just the, the back back door. They just literally just deal with the reporters. They don't have to. Uh, they don't have to spend any high dollar on people who would do advertising handling and that sort of thing. Just literally someone to 
answer questions when the, when the phone gets picked up or email uh, gets sent out. That way they can't just run amok with assumptions. That's how I'm picturing it. I mean, I know it could be any number of ways, but that's that's what when 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 I when I hear that, that's what I think. And and another interesting part of the call is that uh, Elon went down the road pretty far about uh, solar energy being able to power the entire United States with basically a hundred miles by a hundred miles grid of solar, and then when he even went into about a power plant, right? Uh, right. About the unusable land at a power plant. Filling that up with solar would be enough to power the nation. Yeah. I think and Tesla would would a Tesla Energy would do themselves a favor if they were just to build a demonstration plant. Yeah, and like well, I mean, they kind of did build solar. One. You know, you know, you know, certainly not at one hundred percent. But what if you were to build something with you know a half a percent or one percent and say, okay, yeah. that's all it requires is you to scale this up by X, and here's the figures that are coming out of this thing every month. And uh, that's enough to power the nation. And but I mean, they they kind of they kind of did that with their with in Australia, with their with well, their right. But but having it in America, right. I think would be even better because now it's <laughs> now, now it's showing yeah, the visible. utilities, right? It's it's yeah. showing them. And and yeah, since sure. they should they should probably put it in a state that they can get that kind of a deal that they got in Australia or that uh, the deal in Britain where they can sell the uh, power based on what's available, what the price is, that type of type of a deal. Put that put that demonstration in a state because it'll make them money on top of being a demonstration site. Yeah, and I think Texas might be the perfect place for them to start that, <laughs> especially after, you know, the storms and everything else that they just had and, and the disaster that that was. And, and not only the disaster that the storms were, but the, the fact that the way their regulations work with selling and wholesaling and, and the pricing structure of those of, of the energy and how people were getting, you know, outrageous bills like $16,000 and stuff like that, you know, when, when that when it was that high demand and nobody had any power. So, you know, that would be probably the perfect state to start it. And and yeah. Texas gets a lot of sun. That they do. So like right. he kept mentioning, you know, the, the keep out zone of the, the power plant. So like in, in Thailand, for instance, they have a, a water reservoir that they use for hydro and uh, they just put solar panels across the surface of the, the lake that sits behind the dam. And uh, imagine putting that over your uh, um, your cooling pond and then over the, uh, the green space and then uh, the windmills. And then there's also, you know, like 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 Omar mentioned with the with the with the Hornsdale plant, you can actually put solar on top of the battery plant as well. You don't have to just have it next to the battery plant, and that would probably also help with that parasitic load of when the when the packs are heating and cooling themselves because now they're not facing direct sunlight. Right. Why not have them in shade and shade provided by solar panels? That sounds like a perfect fit. <laughs> yep. Uh, Michael Jordan is on, well, he actually had two, but let's talk about the one that's on this particular topic. Um, uh, they announced a deal with Apple to produce a Megapack installation that's larger than the one in, in Orangedale. That's significant. But that's, of course, Apple buying. It is Apple. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm, I'm talking we, about. We need a utility. If, if, if Tesla is their own utility, yeah. make a demonstration site, make the figures available on a website so that the world of, the, of all utilities could see it actually in operation and know that this As a utility. physically exists here. It's producing X 
based on X amount of solar panels that are that are in place. Yeah, because yeah, just to, to proof of concept is, that it's viable yeah, and exactly. profitable, because yeah. that's the big piece. There, there, nobody's going to do it unless they can make money. Yeah, because right. the virtual plants they they work, and we've seen it work. But but like you said, if you can go there, point at it, touch it, look at the grid, um, look at the displays, then that's going to make a huge difference to some of these uh, old school operators that have a password of zero 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 and have it stuck on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If they take a small, uh, like Boca Chica or or someplace like that, and um, yeah, yeah, just said, okay, we're gonna power this. Uh, it's gonna be our solar panels and uh, this massive battery here that'll make sure that it has twenty four seven, three sixty five service. That would be cool. On yeah. another subject, they went into forty six eighty battery, and they talked yes. a little bit about uh, the uh, production of it. That they're not quite at the point where they would want to put it inside a vehicle. Mm -hmm. um, and they indicated that the uh, that that production plant, they expect it to be production ready to put into a vehicle. And in what time frame was it? Was it was it was it six or 12 months? It was quick. <laughs> yeah, he said up to 12 months. An actual time frame. I didn't quite catch it. I thought he said six or 12 months. I could be wrong. I know I heard 12 months, so I think he said within 12 months. I don't know if he said 6 to 12 or within 12, so but I, I know I heard bit, 12. That's a bit concerning because, of course, uh, Gigafactory Berlin and Texas expect to come online at some point with the Model Y. Uh, maybe it's not going to start with the integrated battery with the 4680 in the sled. Maybe well, they could still start the... They can start the production of the Model Y. If they're, if they're not ready to put that battery inside a vehicle, and that's 12 months away, we expect Berlin and Texas to be coming online before then, and both of them are supposed to start with the Model Y. Yeah, but Nevada right. and New York could um, could assemble the, the, the structural pack ahead of time and just ship them on a train, and then you just integrate them. Sure, into they their, could, but but still, yeah. they're not going to have them to put them in the vehicles yet. Oh, oh, that's what that's why I'm saying. Those places is because they'll be the 2170s instead of the 4680s. Okay, all right, yeah, right. I was going to say they, they could still they could still start off with the uh, with the other batteries that they're already making, and start off with the Model Y because you know just make them how they're already making them. My yeah, my my concern, my bigger concern is with the Cybertruck and the the semi. Because they were trying to roll those out by the end of this year, and if they're still twelve months away, then that means they they may be delayed to start to start that rollout until next spring. Yeah, my my conspiracy theory is that all the forty six eighties that we can't seem to figure out where they're going is they're all on a ship headed to to Berlin. For what? To go in the Model Y. Uh, I, th I think. What we just talked about is that the semi and the Cybertruck are the ones that really need that. They need it, yeah. 680. There's no reason to jeopardize the launch of the Y in Germany. They're just going to go with 2170s, tried and true. That's true. And, yeah. And, yeah. So, so then in that case, that would just mean they're being stockpiled. They, they were being built, but they're not actually going anywhere, which is also a good business move. Because uh, if you're going to need a lot more of them for those two vehicles, then... Just uh, the longer it takes you to start, the longer uh, time you have to, to build up a stockpile. 
Right, especially if initial yields are low, then uh, they can make sure that they're doing a lot more testing and, and scrapping the bad ones and putting those materials back in the system. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if they, um, if uh, that is publicized that the 2170 is going to be used or not uh, in Berlin to start. But it certainly makes sense now that the timing has been indicated that he's not comfortable in putting those 4680s inside of a vehicle yet. And if that's yeah, 12 well, months away. Yeah, but Berlin's at least two years away, Mark. <laughs> you hope. You hope. <laughs> <laughs> so, so for the folks who aren't familiar, uh, Patrick and Mark have a uh, have a bet on whether uh, Terra Texas or Giga Berlin will be finished first, and uh, you can tell which side each one is on. <laughs> which one started first? That's all I have. <laughs> well, yeah, but one one is Germany and the other is you know uh, Free Enterprise America. True. So I voted Shanghai. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Shanghai six. <laughs> but then again, I mean, didn't Elon, um, when he started building uh, uh, Giga Berlin, didn't he like start without having all the, the, the permits done or whatever? And they haven't was... had the permits yet. They're still they're building ahead of the permits at all times. Right. So the permits after the fact. So right. It's, so he's uh, like. Oh, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than, than ask for permission. So I'm just going to roll with it. Right, right. I mean, Does that work in Germany? I, 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 it's work, it's been working so far. Germany did have uh, preliminary permits that allowed them to start. Oh, okay. But the problem is if those permits uh, don't issue, then they have to they could have to tear down everything they did under the preliminary Ooh. permits. Um, like if you finish your basement and sell your house without letting anybody know. <laughs> Yes, and then yeah, the inspectors he's... find it. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, a question there about, uh, did they talk about the launch of the refresh model S and X? And they did. That was the uh, Palladium project. They talked about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, they said it's, um, well, we, we saw Q1, there was no production. They did deliver yeah. some. That was stuff that they had produced from Q4 that, that, that came over. And, uh, and it was so 2020, was, right? That number being zero yeah. yeah so obviously they um this refresh was not quite as easy as they thought it would be uh the although they did talk about they want to ramp up the s to 2000 a week so before s and over together, they're yeah over yeah and and yeah. i think he said uh, and if things go really well 2200 2500 just for the s because the s and x together yeah, like you were saying are exactly we're yeah. 2000 period for right. months years yeah. at a time Right, a hundred thousand to combine for an entire year. I think when they were at their peak, so yeah. now they expect the Model S alone to get to that level plus, um, you know, Model X on top of that. That'll be great. That then those are the high margin. So they're getting all these great results with their affordable cars. So when yeah. they move to doing S and X and they get them back up to a hundred thousand or more. Uh, we can expect the numbers to look even better for profitability and gross margin, all that. That's awesome. Yeah. And then, uh, so Michael, they indicated Michael. that they hope to have the S refresh available next month to start. They hope. They hope. They hope. Yeah. Well, like you said, production hell. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, they're in a mini hell. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not about the company hell, though. It's not about the company hell, but it's still yeah. not, not fun. <laughs> yeah, it's about a whole other quarter if it had to. And Well, like Elon said, it, it, you know, making a one-off is, is, is a child's play Easy. compared to, yeah. <laughs> you know, mass production. Yeah. That, that's the hard part. So retooling all their, their retooling everything and getting everything ready. That's it's yeah. big. And so Michael, Michael Jordan pointed out that uh, there'd probably be some corner cases where, where, where uh, radar and vision would, would have different results. Uh, but uh, one cool thing about the way they're handling vision is their cameras don't have IR filters on most of them. So they can actually see better than a human in two ways. Uh, the first is that they have a broader spectrum that they're able to look at because they can see an infrared and ultraviolet, but also uh, because they don't get bored, they don't blink, they don't they don't look away. It's got one job. They don't get distracted. Job. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that they're not looking at their phone. I wonder yeah. how that improves night vision. That would be uh, hopefully, it improves night vision a good bit, especially once you combine it with where Elon was saying, you know, where it's one scene from eight cameras rather than uh, in in over time as well, rather than eight different pictures you're stitching together one second at, at a time rather than um, than than, uh, than like it was a 3D scene, which is a smart way to do it. Yeah, I didn't think about how that would work when you have multiple cameras looking in the same direction with different focal lengths. Now, now it really does become 3D. And th they talked about how they are training the system and they can get it to be doing self-labeling. And that's exactly yeah. that. Once you can get to self-labeling, you're able to make estimates and uh, inferences and then and then improve that without a whole lot of time to, to label things. And, and with distance estimation, that's exactly what they can do because you make a distance estimate and then as the car approaches it, you can realize whether or not that was a correct prediction, which is how you can build this whole 3D world. It's not just a, a 2D world, uh, it's, it's, it has depth and that's what LiDAR gives you, but now they're able to reproduce that through AI and good cameras. Um, and and cameras give you so much more spectrum to deal with where LiDAR is single uh, wavelength. And uh, so, yeah, this this is a much more rich data set. And I always think about it like which if, if you had to drive remotely, would you want to have camera data or radar or LiDAR data? And uh, I'd, I'd want the cameras if I was a remote operator. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. As a remote operator, you would want cameras and, and we have a pretty good neural net here <laughs> and, and uh, yeah. instead you would make really poor decisions if you had to go based on radar, for example, uh, a Coke can, the bottom of it uh, reflects like it's a giant semi-truck. <laughs> yeah. Or the side of it doesn't look as big as it really is. And that could also be a problem if it were made of steel and not aluminum. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of false positives uh, and false negatives. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so about 20 years ago, Microsoft had a project called Sea Dragon, which ended up in a product called uh, Photosynth, the original Photosynth. You could give it like a million pictures of a scene and it would make a point cloud and you could reconstruct a scene from either uh, uh, photographs that people took of a, of a uh, of a of a monument sort of thing, or you could take all the pictures yourself and then walk through the scene and it would be able to measure uh, points and you can actually rebuild with the very high accuracy re reconstruct a building just from having thousands of pictures and what is a video if not 30 frames a second <laughs> times eight cameras right. sounds like thousands of pictures to me <laughs> yeah good point yeah
And I imagine I now mean, that the computers are a lot better than 20 years ago. <laughs> In fact, he mentioned that. He mentioned that they, they're running a desktop class computer now rather than uh, you know even what they were running just a couple of years ago. Well, I mean, currently humans drive off of sight, right? We, we got mm, basically two cameras right here. We've just these yeah. two. And, you know, if you're really cautious, safe driver, you can drive very, very safely, not get into crashes and make good decisions and everything. Um, and you can do that on a consistent basis. And we do it all the time, whether it's, you know, if it's raining out or if it's sunny out, we, we do it all the time, right? Yeah. So the idea is that the computer is going to be able to do it even faster because it can make the decisions quicker. And, you know, visually, it's never going to, like we said earlier, it's never going to blink, it's never going to get distracted, it's never going to, you know, look at its cell phone because it got a phone call or nothing like that. It's just always going to be on task. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's really no logical reason why you couldn't do it just off of vision and, and not need the radar. Yeah, so this is another example where there's conventional thinking and then there's what Tesla's doing and they don't match. And uh, that was when they started their company, it was like, nobody wants an EV or that's all <laughs> you're going to sell 10 of them to the billionaires in the valley and then you'll be done. And, and uh, you know, we've seen this over and over where uh, people say that's just, they're, they're crazy until now. I mean, one of the things they talked about was how the demand for EVs in, in general is, is growing. Customer perceptions are changing. And, uh, we, on the what drives us show, we had this whole list of here are the regions where they are going to be banning gas car sales. So there's a, a real radical change in thinking that has finally happened that, you know, Tesla saw when they started back in whatever, 2008 or whenever that was. Um, and, uh, so, you know, a, a, a decade from now, the rest of the world might uh, say, oh yeah, why would you use anything other than cameras? They're great. <laughs> But it's going to take a while for the rest of the world to catch up to that, I think. Yeah, but right now the, the armchair uh, philosophers are really loud. <laughs> right. But I think yeah, Patrick's but, point is very valid. Remember the, the FUD that was spread, you know, before Tesla became profitable. Right. Uh, so this is nothing new. This is something that they've faced since inception. Uh, it's it's a lot more muted than what it used to be. Um, so <laughs> yes. uh, there is that. Um, but, uh, and it's interesting what Elon had mentioned, uh, in the forward looking statement at the beginning, talking about the model Y production, uh, indicating that he believes that the model Y will be the best selling car bar none, mm -hmm. uh, across the spectrum of vehicles sold. And he believes that will it. happen in 2022. Uh, yeah. uh, then he corrected himself and said, there's a better than not chance. It will be that case in 2022. <laughs> So right. I guess that's a 51% chance. But, but I mean, we've already seen it in California, and yeah. I imagine once the thing gets to Europe, we're going to see it there too. Exactly. So Well, that's a popular um, vehicle segment, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. I, I think the number one vehicle segment in America, though, right now is is, is, is the pickup truck. The, isn't the absolutely. F-150 like the most popular vehicle in America? Yeah, so. It's the best-selling car I, so, in America. So therefore, <laughs> I mean, once the Cybertruck gets up and running and gets in full production, maybe that becomes more popular than the Model Y. I don't know. But until then, I'm sure the Model Y will be the most popular in the Tesla lineup, at least. Yeah. 
The Cybertruck is so big, though, I think it might actually end up being uh, maybe number two to the Model Y, uh, unless people are looking for ultimate price rather than being able to park it anywhere. It'll yeah, be- but I, I'm just thinking about all the, the, the truck people now, the people that already buy trucks and already are in that market segment. Yeah. And of yeah, they're course, gonna, they're they have to get they have to get production up to that amount that they could actually oversell an F one fifty. So yeah. you know we're we're talking what uh, we're talking half a million a year, or is it a million a year? A million a year F one fifties are sold. It'll so, be over yeah over a million a year. So that would be that's going to be quite a production ramp there as well. <laughs> I like yeah that's going to take some time that uh, truck guys are just going to ditch their uh, diesel and gas trucks and buy, buy cyber trucks. I, I hope you're well, right. <laughs> well, I mean, when you look well, at it, though, how, how many of them are going to get their pride hurt by, by this CGI monstrosity? And they're going to go out and get, <laughs> get one, too. But they're going to get the next step up from their neighbor because, you know, they can't have the small one. <laughs> but <laughs> not only that. Small if you... one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's true, but... too. <laughs> But but not only that, on just not only based just on performance, but the simple fact that all truck guys hate buying that fuel. Yes, and, and this is way. I mean, it's going to be way cheaper. Yeah. I, I like that the four stages of cyber truck acceptance because we all did it. Like you, you saw us on the live stream, we were like, "What is? Yeah, that? <laughs> where's the fun oh, coming man. out? Really? Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that's a funny prank. Ha uh-huh. oh, ha. wait. Like, oh, he's not joking. Maybe I should look into this. Like, wait, is he, he really serious? The for real? <laughs> right. And then, then you see the price, the the uh, fuel consumption, the capabilities. Then you see a dragon, an F-150 up a mountain, out racing a Porsche. It's like, uh, I should look into this further. <laughs> that next morning, I'd, uh, I'd reserved one. <laughs> <laughs> that price had me scratching my head. Like, wait a minute. How are they doing yeah, I'm like, wait, this thing is cheaper than the Model Y that just started going on sale by the time they announced this thing. I'm like, um... All right. <laughs> I don't know how they're going to do it, but I'm going to sign up. I'm like, this is on par with a gas truck. Like, how are they doing that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, batteries it's going to need to haul and tow. Uh, that was a surprising price tag, that's for sure. Exactly. Uh, the Cybertruck with a short bed length. So I think that the bed length is what's really going to hurt acceptance of the Rivian, the workhorse, if they make it to production. Uh, and... Uh, even the Bollinger, because a lot of people don't want to do the Chevy Avalanche thing and, and have their cargo inside the cab with them. So I think that if if the Cybertruck bed is 8 feet when you fold down the tailgate or 8 feet when it's closed, we'll, we'll see what the uh, final version looks like. And you can it's tie eight, down with your... 8 feet when it's folded down. So okay. I think it's 6.5 feet when it's folded up. Okay. Yeah, yeah I thought it was so six as long, and a half as, long as it's robust enough that you can have it... Um, extended uh, and then tie your cargo to it uh, and not have it fall out the back, then I think that would be enough for most people. But anyone who needs to carry eight feet with it up, hopefully somebody engineers a extended uh, tailgate or something. <laughs> yeah, tailgate. I like that one on the canoe. Right. Yeah. Uh, canoe, the, the car brand, not, not the water vessel. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but uh, Canoe just lost two of their executives, so I don't know if they're in a healthy state or not. Hopefully they are, because that's a pretty innovative vehicle as well. Yeah, on the FSD thing, um, one of the comments that, that Musk only briefly mentioned was how 
once you have this um, neural net that, that uh, does what you need it to, you have to be able to shrink it down and be able to fit it on their system that has to run on less power than a hundred watt light bulb. Um, yeah. Tim Keller was on, uh, I think it was Lex Friedman's podcast talking about that same problem, that, that getting a result that does everything you need uh, is, is not the hard problem. The hard problem is then paring it down to just the essentials to make it fit and be able to run in real time. And uh, so uh, that's, that's interesting. If you are running it on a, you know, network of, of computers, uh, sure, that, that would uh, probably be able to do it today, but that's not uh, uh, the real world. You need something that is less power and a lot faster. So, and yeah. doesn't rely on a data connection because you could be in the middle of nowhere and need it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Like, hey, and it was interesting. Tree? <laughs> it was interesting uh, how the master of coin talked a little bit about the yes. uh, the FSD subscription price, and yeah. that uh, he didn't, of course, give us the amount of people that sign up for FSD. I would love to know that number, by the way. But uh, that that comment about how. There may be a drop in revenue when the monthly service comes online uh, until they build up subscription numbers uh, instead of people buying it in one fell swoop for cash. So uh, he talked about uh, that as they believe it's going to be a, probably they believe it's going to be a good uptick for people that are going to accept that over paying for the FSD upfront. And yeah. Casey, you put a question in about how many people, what we believe the amount is. I, I commented back with about 200 US a month. And I'm curious yeah. about the rest of you as to what you think that number will be. I think minimum would be 200. <laughs> yeah, I like I like the way he, he called that guy out. It sounded like, uh, it sounded like um, they were in the, um, like he was calling out the Jarl. Uh, uh, Master of Coin, tell me about <laughs> 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 yeah, I wonder if they'll, if they'll be doing any Doge or if that would be a conflict with the SEC. But I think eventually they'll do some Doge as well. But um, that was that I mean, was really they're already cool doing moment. Bitcoin, <laughs> right? Exactly. It's just a derivative at that point. But maybe not this quarter, just because of all the uh, drumming up of Doge that, that Elon has done. Yeah, just to keep them off your back. Yeah. <laughs> so Omar thinks it's going to be minimum two hundred. What do you two think? I mean, that makes sense. Uh, he, he showed me the math, uh, and if you divide out 10000 by the life of the car, and then you remember that, that he said it's going to be more expensive, that you have to... Uh, hopefully he doesn't mean a penny more expensive, because that would be an Elon thing to do, but... <laughs> <laughs> so I think um, the price, uh, if, if they even continue to offer it just for sale outright, I think the price is going to go up as more of these features come out. Yeah, I, I hope they don't take away the option to buy it outright because right. uh, there's, there's always a group of people who like to own it. And if you're going to keep the car longer than the calculation that they have for you, then then you end up ahead exactly. without having to robo-taxi at first. Right. Yeah. So um, typically car payments are over five years. And so if you take, there was a someone in the chat posted this and I thought that was a good answer of uh, uh, $12,000 over five years of payments, uh, that comes out to $225. So uh, mm -hmm. that seems like the, the right answer to me. Yeah, I also liked how they pointed out um, to the investors, they're like, hey, 
this is a wide open field. We, we only have this many people who actually bought the thing outright or the full package. And that means that there's this wide open field to, to, to sew. So. <laughs> and just saying anecdotally, I, I know quite a few people that are like, yeah, I'm just going to wait for the subscription. I want to wait for the subscription. So, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. So I'm sure they're going to get a bunch of people that are going to jump on that, especially if um, for some people, their everyday life is, is, you know, they may not use it enough. It may not drive enough. You know, if you're only driving 20, 30 miles a day, maybe it's not a big deal to have FSD. But then when you do want to go on that road trip or whatever, or you, you have something coming up or you want to go further, hey, let me go ahead and sign up for that and pay for that for this month. And then I, I have it. a feeling, Omar, that it's going to be minimum yearly amounts. When you sign yeah, up, like you have to sign like, a year it's going to be like a cell phone subscription or something that you got to sign up that. for two years. I bet you, I bet you that's coming. I, I was wondering if they would do. I something could see that happening. Yeah, especially at first, but I, I don't yeah. know. We'll we'll see. We'll see how they do it. Yeah, I, hope I would that. like to see them tie the, the robot snake charger to having FSD, because <laughs> then you don't have to worry about lines. The car will automatically handle the speed and the charging, and it'll just pull up, and it'll never have to wait in line. Assuming that you're awake while it's driving, and <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be interesting. It's yes. like a like a fast pass at the charger. <laughs> yeah, exactly, a fast pass. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, I, I hope they don't do a one year or two year requirement because I don't mind a two month or a three month. That would be reasonable, but like you yeah. said, one year is expensive. So, um, you know, summer's coming, and a lot of people do road trips over the summer. So, if you want right. to get it for June, July, and August. And then, you know, September, uh, kids are back in school and you, you don't need it anymore. Uh, that that would make sense to me. With all yeah. the new streaming services, they don't lock you in like that, right? It, it, most of I, them don't. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, most of them. If they're right. no longer providing value for you they and you're just, you're paying them, you're just going to be disgruntled about it. So, right, uh, like uh, like the Adobe's got two subscriptions for Creative Cloud. You've got the one that's month to month from the get-go and the other that's a year commitment. And if you try to get out of that year commitment, they charge you the rest of the, the commitment before they let you go. And they cut you off right away. <laughs> oh, wow. Whereas the month to month, they let you finish your month out after you stop paying. Yeah, so I could see them giving you a discount if you sign up for a year or for two years. That would be cool. Yeah. That would make sense. That Yeah, that seems and, like and, and I think that would be the, the, the nice way to go. You know, allow the month to month. Maybe that's a higher price. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, and then... And then the other thing, a, year, a yearly subscription. If you do a year, you get a, a bit of a discount on it. Right. The other thing to consider is that, uh, as Elon has said, the price is going to continue to go up for the cash only price. So guess what? The monthly the rate subscription will go, to go up as well. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Hopefully they lock you in at whatever you come in at. Uh, but there's there's two uh, good groups of customers who are going to be interested in uh, the month to month consistently is uh, the folks who change their cars out regularly. And the folks on a lease who didn't get it at the time of the lease, because then you're in for the full 10, 12, 20, whatever the price is, and you're only going to keep the car three to five years. Whereas, uh, or if you're somebody who changes every year, like Brooks from Drag Time or uh, uh, Eric, <laughs> Eric Strait, uh, you know, the, uh, the new one comes out, I got to get the new one, and they, they switch. And it's like, well, they didn't even they didn't get anything out of it. So, <laughs> well, not nothing, but they didn't get the full value out of it. Right because the features aren't there yet. And then that also make it uh, somebody who might be a bad driver. Like they do a lot of manual driving and then, you know, they crash the car and it's stuck to the car versus if it's stuck to you. Right, yeah. I, I, I hope... Hmm? For, for it. There are yeah, the, of, the, yeah, 
the fact that you can't transfer it when you know it doesn't stick with your account it's not like you can transfer it to your next tesla or anything like that i think that will encourage a lot of people to do the subscription model for those that like to like you said like to upgrade regularly yeah and then hopefully if they do do the you know the buy a whole year and get a discount thing they also do that to the connectivity package because you know it'd be nice to have it just be ten dollars a month hundred dollars here you go rather than you know here's twelve hundred dollars <laughs> yeah they definitely have to work on that transferability aspect because when they start selling games in the car if they get yeah. stuck with the car that would really suck i mean that's not how it works with the game console when you right and with elon being an avid gamer you'd think he'd understand this uh, i don't know why he doesn't get that or waypoints he's like he's got a big old mental block there he doesn't want to listen uh, although with the waypoints i think he's just messing with us when he walked it back on his recent tweets <laughs> oh, did he really walk it back because last time he did he did fine you guys have asked so many times we'll just do it what right and then somebody else asked about it uh and he last just said week, no week before and he said no <laughs> 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 yeah that's the beauty of of the way that this car works so i've done plenty of road trips you put in your destination it figures out all the charging stops for you and that's right. awesome and um, when when I was uh, we at one of the car events I was at, there was a Chevy Bolt there, and I asked the then they had a, a Chevy Rep, and I said, okay, show me how I could drive to San Diego and where I'd have to stop. And he was like, well, there's this OnStar feature. Oh wait, that doesn't do it. You know what? To, and then the, he couldn't figure it out. And right. uh, um, so you you, you I, I, maybe they have something better now. Maybe that guy just didn't know how to do it. But but having the car have all that intelligence built in is great. So yeah. I think they partnered with the, like, if you use the Google, it'll do it. And Apple Maps. Yeah, and a better yeah. route planner. There are that, solutions, that's but, but that's what I wanted to say next, is hopefully they build in uh, um, a better route planner like Polestar did. That that was a big win on their part for, for trip planning. Yeah. Definitely. Because rather than have it log into your account or having to feed in your exact lot hours per mile, it's in the car. It knows how much fuel you're using. And it's like, hey, you can slow down or you can charge here, here, and here. <laughs> yeah, that's the way it should be, definitely. Yeah. Not that the Tesla one is bad, but the better route planner has waypoints, and uh, it, it does a better job of accounting for weather and load and all that. Uh, the Tesla one isn't bad if you're within a stock configuration, but if you put a bike rack out back or a trailer out back, it is never right. Yeah. Oh, so you're saying that with those attachments a better route planner can supplement for that yeah right now they log into your car or you can feed it the exact what hours per mile but um it would be nice if they were just in the head unit and they didn't have to go anywhere they could just figure it out like they could uh one of their premium features is they they know the weather and <laughs> so they know the wind they know the, the precipitation and temperature so they can they can account for that uh, they've got a good statistical model of everybody's car which is phenomenal yeah, my experience with a better route planner is they, they are very, pretty spot on. I mean, they're, they're really good with ele elevation and, and, like you said, the weather and all that. And they took into account my speed and everything else because, I, like, you know, the more stuff, the more data you put in, the more accurate they are. Mm -hmm. I haven't gone anywhere in over a year, so I've completely forgotten <laughs> how to use any map. <laughs> Yeah, for the for the trips I've been taking this last year, the uh, the one in the car has been more than sufficient. <laughs> and since we were towing stuff, I wasn't towing with the navigation. Uh, I didn't have to worry about whether it knew the trailer was back there or not. 
Yeah, these little local runs I've been doing haven't <laughs> haven't needed much. <laughs> Not much planning there. But we're we're almost out of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we are. One if, of the uh, Mark's got Mark's got his first shot. Omar and I got our two shots. Uh, Patrick, you've got one or two. I'm not talking about my health stuff. <laughs> oh, sorry, no, no. <laughs> didn't mean to put you there. Like oh, that. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely getting vaccinated. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so uh, one of the um, cool aspects that I, I uh, what was it? The, um, you've already talked about all of these demand growing for EVs, mm-hmm. best selling in category. I took some notes. Model Y could be the best selling vehicle on the planet. All very cool. I think it will be. Yeah. Yeah, this summer, definitely, when uh, people coming out of lockdown, there's definitely going to be some road trips, that's for sure. I, I think we're going to see a little mini sales boom, uh, especially if they can keep up with uh, supply. I, 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 based on what they're saying, I know they're trying, but I don't know if they will be able to keep up with supply. But I, I have a feeling that now that people can move about again, they'll need something to go in. Like, I, I have some friends who sold their car uh, when this all started, and, uh, well, they're going to want to go places, and... and the amount of trips they take, you don't want to rent. So, yeah, yeah. One other question or one other point that was brought up was about the Bitcoin purchase. Yeah, oh, yeah. They talked about how they reduced their position by ten percent, took in a profit, cash that out, and the reason that uh, they want to be in Bitcoin is they want their cash to be highly available but yet still get a return uh, that's not currently available in the market. So uh, their, uh, their thought is that this is basically a cash bank account uh, that they can convert uh, into U.S. funds anytime they want. And in the other time, it's uh, hopefully going to gain value, as it did most recently after their purchase. So this is kind of like how a lot of the other older companies used to play with their uh, foreign currencies. Yeah. They would, they would, they would just kind of move the accounts around. But this has a lot less uh, fees involved in it. Oh yeah, so they, yeah, Mark, you said they could convert it to U.S. dollars, but they could convert it to any currency they wanted to if they need euros that's or. Uh, well, that's true. Yeah, because uh, like if they if they've got it in there, uh, it's in. Bitcoin, and all of a sudden they need something major for Shanghai or for, well, maybe not Shanghai because of the uh, Chinese uh, anti-Bitcoinness, but say they need something big for, for Germany or India, they could they could just switch it to that local currency as well right. without the conversion from U.S. dollar to that. It's literally from, from Bitcoin to that. Right. Smart. Yeah, but, I mean, there there is some risk involved in that as well. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean... <laughs> Bitcoin has been very volatile over the years. So, I mean, if it loses value by a large amount, you know, then they, and it could. they in turn would, would lose, would lose all that, that value. And now, now that asset is no longer, no longer has the same liquidity. Cause then it's like, well, you don't want to sell at a loss. So now it's no longer liquid. You just have to hold it until it goes back up, which eventually it may, but it's still, yeah. it's still a risk factor in that. Yeah. Which is why it was a small investment for them percentage-wise of their cash on hand so that they that if, if that mitigates the risk in itself right they're not yeah. completely dependent upon it and then do things like they did where if it goes up significantly okay it's doubled let's take some profit and now you've you know you've also uh solved that problem there because you've reduced your position and you have cash on hand for for doing so so that that's great uh, i don't think they'll ever buy doge if you just look at um doge doesn't have the same 
21 million coin limit that Bitcoin has. It really is supposed to just be for fun. Uh, yeah. So uh, I, I don't think it's uh, would be a smart investment. And they're already pushing the limits pretty far with the Bitcoin stuff. And I'm glad they're doing it. And, and I think it's really going to pay off because now they're doing all the work with the SEC and regulators and things like that. And we'll establish this model that a whole lot of other companies are like, hey, why is Tesla uh, able to do this and we're not? Well, you can. Uh, and, and now so that's going to drive the price up as more businesses start putting their cash on hand into Bitcoin. There's a limited supply of Bitcoin. And when you have companies like that buying a billion dollars at a time, that's really going to jack the price up. Not yeah. stock advice, we saw... coin advice. But right. It seems, like, it seems like it's the way it's going to me. We did see a couple of large companies after after uh, Tesla got in and had success in their first week or two. Uh, we saw uh, was it three three to five large companies get in and also get themselves some Bitcoin, and not just for their ransomware attacks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Plus, they mentioned they're they're taking uh, uh, reservations down in, in Bitcoin, and they've actually gotten some, you know. Um, down payments and reservations that they've been taking in Bitcoin, which is interesting as well. Yeah, they, and it's and it's quicker to convert uh, Bitcoin than it is uh, if you have uh, treasury bonds because you got to wait for those things to mature. Mm. And, and when they do take in Bitcoin for payment, they they said they're going to hold that Bitcoin for at least a little while. Right. And, yeah. and 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 you know, there, there's a lot of people. Well, not a ton of people, but there are quite a few people that are you know, have made a significant amount of money off of crypto. And now instead of them having to convert their crypto into fiat and then, you know, pay for their Tesla, now they can just pay for it directly. <laughs> yeah. And, and, Less fees for everybody. <laughs> right. Right. So, so yeah. um, will Tesla ever start mining was one of the uh, questions, uh, mining Bitcoin instead of just buying it. But uh, if they, if they have all the infrastructure in place and they certainly have the, supercomputers that they're using for dojo when 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 dojo's not uh busy working on the next version of full self-driving maybe he can do a little bit of mining in the background yeah and he he also responded to that question about them being a aws style uh ai platform i, I like that answer he didn't say no and he pretty much mostly said yes <laughs> but he did straight up say yes yeah i mean he did talk about it being their as big as their other businesses at some point in the future, it could be. Uh, so that, that's, I don't know how they get to that, uh, how they're offering the service or what services aren't already being provided by things like AWS. Uh, but it'll be interesting. Oh, you just got to do uh, competition. And if your costs are lower, then profit. Yes. I mean, AI as a service, that's a, I mean, yeah. that, that could be a new serv a new market segment that they could fully take advantage of. Um, that's, that's interesting. And I think it could be very lucrative. I don't know about the whole mining Bitcoin thing, though, because I think they would rather use up their resources in other ways yeah. than, than mining. But but if, if they had availability. Yeah, if they got some spare battery saying, capacity and, you know, and it, spare it's sitting compute. there and it's not doing anything, obviously they're doing a lot with it now, but uh, maybe in yeah. the future. Yeah. So they well, start offering AI as a service, right? So then okay, we have these here available for people to purchase. And uh, if no one's using this one, well, what are we going to do with it? Uh, they could use it to supplement their other things they need to do, but supposedly they're going to have their own dedicated system for that and they wouldn't need these extra parts that were being sold. So, yeah, it, yeah I don't know. We'll, and then we'll, you've got companies like Microsoft that want to be carbon negative or carbon neutral even. 
that uh, that if they need some AI compute that is more than they've got on hand, or or maybe you know their their solar output and wind output isn't what they need to be, and they still need the the compute, they can flip it over to Tesla, who already is carbon neutral or will be by the time this thing is up. They can they can rely on that, which is, is pretty cool stuff. Definitely, especially like you said, if they do a straight up power company. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, energy is a lot of business, man. They, yeah. and, and there were some interesting things in there. He said about uh, doubling or tripling the electricity supply uh, going forward as we move. Right. So he said you would need double the supply if all transportation was converted over to electric. Because you, you would be using twice as much energy as we currently use. And you would need and triple he said you'd... if you were going to do heating. Yes. Right. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'm sure that Musk has looked into that and knows what he's talking about, but that does not jive with what I've heard in the past. So uh, a few things that I've heard right now, oil refineries use a significant amount of energy. And in fact, if you look at energy use per mile, uh, it's about the same as what EVs use for the refineries. And so if we stop making uh, gasoline uh, at the refineries, then that becomes available for EVs. And, and it's a, a, a wash. Um, so, so that wouldn't require you doubling the uh, uh, c capacity. And then the other thing is that most EVs charge overnight most of the time. Yep. And there's, there's surplus capacity on the grid overnight, which is why the prices go down if you're on a time of use plan. So again, that, that allows EVs without uh, doubling the capacity. So I'm trying to figure out how what he said jives with what I've already heard and, and they don't quite fit yet. I'm not sure where that's coming from. Obviously. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you quite need double if you just use transportation, electric transportation, because like you said, I know the grid currently overproduces what we actually use. So the EVs plugging in would just use up that extra capacity, that, that extra, you know, the excess. So... Right. And then I mean, you go, yeah, you, you would have to produce more, but I don't I don't think it would be anywhere near double as, as well. Yeah. And like you guys were saying with the DC um, uh, high voltage transportation of it, then that will also help them get it where it needs to go. I mean, because like, look here, my son is setting and Patrick's is still quite fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was that link to the Pacific DC intertie. Um, yeah, so a whole bunch of uh, hydropower from uh, Oregon and Washington flows down to run Los Angeles. And uh, that's not a short trip. And if you wanted to, to send it that far, uh, these lines, their uh, capacity is 3,100 megawatts. So 3.1 mm. gigawatts. Uh, 3.1 yeah, gigawatts? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> if, they're, if they're going to have to build that capacity anyways, it would make sense that, of course, you decentralize those solar grids. It's not 100 by 100 in one spot. It's more yeah. like 5 by 5 in 20 spots. Mm -hmm. Right. And then that also helps if, uh, if that 100-mile area has a snowstorm uh, <laughs> or, or just clouds, so you can, you can, you can adjust for that. Yeah. Uh, one part I was liking in the uh, in the letter before before the call was uh, they said um, about the vehicle software. They said that uh, while over the air updates of maps and infotainment systems are becoming more common, so that's uh, right there was a dig at everybody else saying that they do OTA, 
because yes, they technically do OTA in that they are updating your radio and your map, but not usually the whole car. Uh, there are some that are doing the whole car. Uh, uh, firmware updates remain rare in the automotive industry, and in Q1 they were able to navigate the global chip supply shortage issues in part by pivoting extremely quickly to new microprocessors while simultaneously developing firmware for new chips made by new suppliers. So I wonder if part of that last section helps explain what happened with the Model S. Because it does have a lot more power and a completely different uh, build than, than the current system. I mean, we're running basically Celeron Automotive, and now it's looking like he's running desktop Ryzen, basically. <laughs> Could be. And then all the little microcontrollers, because I was like... Uh, was there something on Indiegogo I was watching? It was like a, some kind of toothbrush or something. And they're like, hey, uh, uh, we might not be able to do it the way we wanted to. We're going to have to look at uh, changing the chips for the toothbrush. I was like, it's a toothbrush. And then I thought about it and was like, well, there are no chips. <laughs> so, I mean, that makes sense. That could be part of it. Yeah. And, and then with them buying so much, not just the batteries, they're buying so much compute because every single one of their cars is, from day one has been a rolling data center. That's or maybe not for day one, but from day one of the, the, the Model S anyway. Yeah. Maybe not so much the Roadster. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to just jump back for a second. The, the other yeah. part of that was he said tripling the power for home heating, which m makes me go, huh, Tesla's thinking about home heating. <laughs> yeah, he keeps, he keeps dropping hints about the HVAC, and I am excited right. for that. Yeah, yeah, because they, they've built high-efficient HVAC systems for their cars, and they have home products. Come on, yep. let's get those together and have a Tesla HVAC system. I, can, I need to replace my old furnace and, and my old air conditioner. And I would. Oh, I could definitely see that happening in the future. Yeah, and then the, the houses are so much more uh, efficient than the cars uh, in general uh, because you know they, they, they you don't really want your cold air leaking out, but you don't really have a choice when you've got all that glass on the car. And so they might even be able to use you know just two or three of the car units per house the same way that the superchargers initially at least were all just model s chargers stacked up uh in a, in a, in a, in a cage right yeah so yeah they could definitely leverage what they already have and and do it it's the way they do it yeah that's pretty cool yeah i mean even the um initially the the, the precursor to dojo was literally just uh uh ap 2.5 computers shoved in a rack <laughs> right Parallel, well, guys, uh, it's been been great. I've got yes. a shorter time schedule, so I got to go. You oh, guys can certainly absolutely. continue, but uh, I appreciate uh, being invited, and thank you all for watching. Oh, thank you for coming. I think that's thanks for the chat, Mark. Yeah, yeah right. I think that's Bye -bye. actually probably a pretty good stop point. Thank you. Um, what, uh, unless you guys want to spend more time, or if the audience would like to spend more time, we can uh, we can go on that, or we can call yeah. it a night. Final questions. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Give give us a little type in the chat. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to the energy storage and and so that that part about making uh, Powerwall the hub for everything is quite interesting. Like you said, it does make the installs easier, and with all these utilities fighting solar so hard, like my 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 solar utility company, they they don't want they don't want consumer solar. They want to they want to do it themselves. And so if if I'm invisible to them, they can't say anything because I'm not ever giving them back anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm lucky here. My I don't think you can avoid giving them back anything, though, because 
Oh, the uh, power wall uh, will just change your frequency on the inside of the house so that the solar inverters turn off. Oh, just turn it off. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what you do when the grid is down. Um, they uh, they jack up the frequency, and that makes the uh, solar inverter think the grid is having problems, so it's so it will not backfeed into the grid when the grid is unstable. So they, hmm. they use this clever little trick. The only problem with that trick is if you have like an uninterrupted power supply on your computer, uh, it, it also thinks that the grid is unstable, so it, it'll kick on and start running your computer for you. Uh, yes. it, why is the grid frequency out of whack? Uh, it's, something must be wrong. Right. And then, um, and then any analog clocks are also uh, subject to, because they, they actually just count the cycles of your electricity. But then also you're losing out on any of that overproduction that you have during the daytime well, the grid, on your grid. If the like, grid is down, or if the grid is going to charge you more than, than – than, because like what they want to do for me and what they do for the next county over is if you go over a certain amount back to them, they'll charge you double the, the retail rate. For, for, the free for, power, me, for the free power they're getting from you. <laughs> so everywhere is different. So for me, what yeah. they do is is they 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 credit me in in kilowatts, whatever yeah, it is what that I'm right feeding now. back to them. They just credit me kilowatts, right? And then like right. in the winter, so like in in the summer and spring and everything, I'm overproducing. It's great. And then in the winter time, when you know get a lot more cloud covers, a lot less daylight hours, and I, I get snow here, you know, and everything else. That's when I use up all the all those credits that they credit me, right? So yeah. I use it all up. And that's great. And that's the way and, utilities do it. Casey's talking yeah. about workarounds for stupid utilities. <laughs> right, because my utility does me that way now, and they're on their way to becoming a stupid utility. And so <laughs> if I become invisible to them, then, then that's, oh. a, that's a good way to, to handle it. Also, you know, it, it also works when, when they're missing. Because uh, <laughs> if your batteries are full, you don't, you don't want to keep producing your solar you want it to go away mm-hmm. at least until you got more room in the pack <laughs> right so so that works well in in certain use cases yes in, in my particular case i would want to keep just keep producing and just send it back to the grid yeah right so, and and that's and, the beauty of it, is for it. if they if they change your contract like when it comes time to renegotiate that if they change their mind you can just call up tesla and be like hey i need this 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 uh plan and switched over you, yeah your controls will switch yeah um or, or like Patrick does, you know, they've got the uh, the multiple um, different rates, and so he just manually does it in the app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, starting next month, we go to having split peak to just having one peak, and so I won't oh, have good. to be dealing with the app every day because yeah, currently Tesla's app does not support split peak. So every day, I, I change it to the morning peak, and then sometime after 10 a.m., I change it to the evening peak. And then sometime after that peak, I change it back to the morning peak before that if that starts. So yeah, at least twice a day I'm in the app. Nice. Yeah, ten times. So what do you do? Set reminders for yourself to do it? Because like, I would I'd have to set a daily alarm on my phone to remind me to do it or something. No. Yeah. I'm always checking oh, on my solar anyway. Just to, I love to watch the grass. It's cool stuff to see. Yeah. I, I used to I, do I, that for the first couple of years, and I stopped. I don't even look at it anymore. <laughs> I, I was I was disappointed to find out that that, that mine doesn't qualify for the upgrade. <laughs> what now? I was disappointed to find that mine doesn't qualify for the upgrade. The, the oh, power yeah. boost. They did mention the dates, and I didn't catch it. November. November. Yeah. So yours might qualify, or yours might have been in transit. So I'm curious now. <laughs> yeah. Because um, you got them installed in December, right? I did. I have them in. Yeah. So. Uh, I'm, did they have a date on them? 
So what was the manufacture date? <laughs> yeah. Let's see if I can figure out. Oh, you took a picture of the nameplate? No, but uh, no. I don't know if, um, any of the uh... paperwork. Let me see if the, maybe I'm curious now. Yeah, uh, but but okay. So what they offer is the the upgrade will give you more power output and especially the PKL. Right. But right. that's not a problem for me anyway. I mean, um, if this somehow you size it correctly, the energy yeah. and the, uh, the that would that would be great. But it doesn't. Um, no. So um, with three of them, I have more power than than the house will ever need. I've got five times more power than I need. So the fact that they you know, gave me more of something I have more than I need of that doesn't help me at all. So, I, uh, yeah. But it will help with peak shaving. Uh, say you're, you know, say they have, uh, say you could do a Texas situation where they want to charge you uh, market prices and uh, you're charging both EVs and you're running the dryer and the oven and all of a sudden, you know, ergot gets you and you're like, oh, shoot. And, and you've got the extra kilowatts of, uh, of specific power that you can handle it. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, but it just waves it through. That's true. Um, the, the nice thing though is that Tesla's system is an integrated system, so that's true because the charger if, already talks to the power wall. <laughs> yeah, so that's if, true. Yeah, if if I am charging and the batteries take over, uh, if if they want to leave more headroom for the house, the batteries just ask the cars to charge slower, and they do. Boom, easy. Yeah. Does it only do it through the Gen two and Gen three uh, connectors, or does it do it directly from the car to the power wall? Uh, um. I, that's a good question. My understanding is it's actually going through the, uh, there's no direct con communication They're from the gateway the, to the other gateway. Uh, the, the deaths actually go through Tesla servers to talk to the cars. Yeah. yeah. So, so the, the energy gateway to the, to the car gateway. Right. So it's actually just talking directly basically to the car. So it's yeah. doing it through the car and not necessarily the wall connector. Right. Cause yeah, I don't have, I have the, the old um, dumb wall connector, not the new Wi-Fi wall connector. Oh, okay. the, the one in, in between. I've got the one that wasn't like the metal clicky button, uh, but also not the new lower powered smart one. Right. Yeah. I, but I guess that would also help with, uh, say, you're charging and you're not at home. The, the, just because the, the house is out of power, your your car in uh, you know three states away doesn't start going slower just because <laughs> your house ran out of power while you're on a business trip. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the cool thing about a connected car. They know all that stuff. They know where it's at. But see, the thing is, yeah, they know where you're at. <laughs> so that would be funny. Yeah, you know. yeah I, I'm on a road trip, and all of a sudden, my car starts charging slower at a supercharger. Why? Oh, because the power went out at your house three states away. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> so I want to I want to share this real quick. Uh, these were the pictures from the uh, shareholder call. Oh, yeah. And so here we've got, um, uh, this is Berlin. And then we've got... Uh, oh, Berlin, the, is that far along? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. So Patrick gets some more paperwork on him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's going to be, uh, you know, rats or birds or killers uh, <laughs> or something. i got to find something to slow down. There's the indigenous <laughs> population. It's, it's mating season. <laughs> yeah, what is that? Uh, uh, press? This is, this is the Gigapress. Yeah, Gigacast Press. Um, that's at Berlin. Yeah, in Berlin, and then uh, the new uh, stamping press. This seems a lot more uh, large than the one in Fremont right now. Mm -hmm. It still it still amazes me how how quickly the two robots are able to hand stuff to each other through the big old press. Because if they get it wrong by a uh, <laughs> a millisecond, they've just crushed the robot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
because because they're able to take the safeties off because it's not uh, you know two dudes with their you know feet on the press and then they bump it with their hip and run it through you know all the safety interlocks. Uh, it's, it's literally three robots just going together and hoping they don't smush each other. <laughs> yeah, heavy duty equipment like that, uh, you want robots doing that, not people. Yes, yes. I don't I don't Absolutely. know how we ever survived doing it with people before. So here's here's your here's your your team, Terra Texas. Oh yeah, they are they are catching up. Team yeah. Texas is on the move. Yeah, they are still behind though. Yeah. Germany had a big head start. Well, yeah, yeah. Oh wow, the Model Y factory interior in Texas. So they've already got the robots and stuff inside. So this thing may be like uh, the original Gigafactory, where they just start it running before it's done being constructed. <laughs> we don't have the walls up yet. That's okay. Just go. <laughs> you don't need walls. We're building them in a tent in Fremont. <laughs> <laughs> just do it. <laughs> Thing oh, is wow. massive. That shot right there, humans for scale. Look at look at how. Yeah, banana for scale. That's <laughs> <laughs> banana there. <laughs> That'd be cool if we got to eat a banana humongous. for lunch. <laughs> yes. I mean, look at how far off it just goes in the distance. You just like yeah. you run out of light. <laughs> That's and insane. Shanghai, yeah, Shanghai is just like I said. My 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 vote was on Shanghai just because. Man, look at that. Expansion continues. You can see the shape is just getting larger and larger. Mm-hmm. These factories are huge. Yes. And then you've got the new semi, because you can tell because the door handle is different. Oh, I didn't know this was uh, anything new about this. Mm-hmm. Because oh, yeah. uh, remember, they, they got into that fight with Nicola about the uh, the design patent. So they said, fine, we'll change our design. They, they, they made this part go longer, and uh, they changed the handles and a couple other things. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and how's Nicola doing? (laughs) (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Oh. I I hope all these other competitors make it because that would that would you know that would be the mission right there is is to you know change the whole world to sustainable transport and. uh, I mean, I don't know that, that hydrogen's pick, that, doing it, but electric is. That pickup market is, is huge, and that's why everybody's doing pickup trucks. You got the Everyone Ford wants to do an electric 150. You got Lordstown. You got Rivian. You got, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, obviously the Cybertruck, you know. Yeah. Yeah, of course. It's going to be interesting. The next couple of years is going to be very interesting. I think it will be. It'll be quite fun to watch. I can't wait to get a test drive for everything. Uh, the Hummer seems a bit about uh, out of my range, but it would be fun. I mean, it's got all well, the astronaut stuff everywhere. <laughs> the Hummer is going to be a low production vehicle anyway. Probably so. But the the Chevy sounds like that one's going to be a little more uh, reasonable. I don't think it's going to be a rebadge of the Hummer either. I think it's literally going to be the Silverado version of the uh, uh, F-150 electric. So that would be... That would be interesting. Yeah, and then the other cool thing about all of these people coming up is Elon's pettiness. So remember what happened with Lucid? Every time they said, "Oh yeah, our range is going to be this, our speed is going to be this," next thing you know, like the existing Model S is just getting better, and then like yes. um, then Plaid comes out. <laughs> when they started doing their electric stuff at the Nurburgring, uh, that's why we have the Palladium version of the S now because uh, yeah, the Taycan. Yeah, he wants to have the crown, and uh, yes. so, yeah. yeah product that comes out is going to push the whole market forward. Yes. I'm, yep. I'm, curious, I'm curious what they're going to do with 
roaster though because now the plaid plus s does everything the roaster was supposed to do except be as pretty and it's not an ugly car by any means except fly yeah it doesn't fly (laughs) but the regular roaster doesn't fly either so i mean what will what will the plaid plus s not do that the that the base roaster will do because we know the, the, the well the maybe the handling fly. so you know yeah, maybe it's a lighter maybe smaller car on the track maybe or something it's a lighter vehicle i don't know uh, those wider tires it's going to have better traction so it'll have a better zero to 60 even with the same drivetrain yeah that's true it's if you put the exact same drivetrain in it yeah because yeah, if it matched it'd be like well what do i want to spend the extra hundred grand for just so it's i could be cool those just laying around if you're buying roasters. <laughs> I mean, the, if you think about that market segment, though, who, I mean, the yeah. people that are spending a quarter million dollars for a car anyway, they it, they, they aren't looking for sedan. They don't care. <laughs> that's that's the because the other Lambo costs three times, five times that. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, every time you look at that chart of like performance per dollar, it's like they're giving this thing away compared to all of the competition. Like the yeah. the Bugatti Veyron is what uh, four times the price. More, yeah. I, right. I'm curious yeah. Too, why? Why didn't they at least have it at a million? And when when they well, they, the market bears that. that it, it does bear it, but remember, they're only going for twenty five percent profit margin. So, right. But if they had higher, yeah. But they could have. They could have still made it a half a million. It still would have been half the price as the Bugatti, and it still would have yeah. outperformed the Bugatti, and they it still would have sold. <laughs> Absolutely, have a slightly thinner margin on the Model Three. <laughs> That's true because they don't have to be twenty-five per product. They could do twenty-five total, and that would help them do that. Interesting. Maybe they will. <laughs> already kind of committed to a price. Uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's not not like we. But they didn't say they didn't say how much this, the the one with the SpaceX package is going to be, right? Right, they never they never quote a price on SpaceX package, and it doesn't mean that uh, after they fulfill their reservations that they won't raise the price again. That's true. Pray that I don't alter it further. <laughs> <laughs> price changes definitely happen. That's for sure. You're right. Yeah. I mean, look at look at. Oh the, yeah, they, they're they're good roof. for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so. Or or even Cybertruck. If any of us changes our Cybertruck order, then uh, then we get to pay the higher price for full self drive. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. I mean, just look yeah. at the Model Y and the Model Three. Their prices have been all, all over the place. Yep. Yeah. Model S, same thing. Like all of them, actually. Yep. yep. But for a while, the if you see what yeah. you want, don't hesitate. That's right. And we found out yeah. um, t- today. We found out. Um, I don't. I didn't check the price to see if the Mustang price went up yet or not. But so it's any popular EV, not just Tesla. Because the the rumor was that today the Mustang price would go up by at least three thousand um, dollars. Is there a way for me to check that? Um, I've got the internet here. So so at that point, if it's popular, I mean, because like you've got other EVs that are sitting around and having birthdays on the on the dealer lot, but others you can't keep in stock. And so if they're raising the price, then mm, supply and demand. Uh, okay, let's see. Uh, Start at forty three nine nine five. Uh, yeah, this is the 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 drop, price drop they did last year, but then let's see if the news says they raised it again today. Uh, the GT starts at sixty five for the GT Performance. Um, sixty one. I don't know. I don't know because everybody's talking about the GT. Nobody's talking about 
let me let me refine the search. Uh, a lot of people saying that the price is going up, like, like eight different articles saying the price is going up. I wish they were nerdy like we are. <laughs> they would just say, hey, here it is. Here's the comparison. I'm sure, well, I'm sure uh, it is. I mean, we'll look it up and I'll let you know later. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's going up. Why wouldn't Ford increase the price if the demand's there for the vehicle? I mean, especially with them, because their whole problem is the dealers were marking it up and... Uh, so if the MSRP just goes up, then then it makes it easier for them to everybody to share in the in the more profits. So I don't know. All right. So at this point, right. I want to thank everybody out there for joining us for this uh, earnings call discussion, and uh, we'll catch you guys on the Tesla Life Show on Wednesday. And um, oh, we uh, we Mark started going. So uh, you want to tell them about the. Uh, the 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 two two hundred episode special. Sure, you were you talking to me or or yeah. Okay, well, yeah, you're, so, you're the one who's uh, there every day. <laughs> that's right. Uh, yeah, so our two hundredth episode is coming up, and Mark has extended an offer to uh, viewers of the show. Uh, so contact him, and uh, you can message him. Uh, the best way to get a hold of him is through Twitter. So uh, DM him on Twitter and say, hey, I've got a camera and I'm Mike and I would love to be on your special 200th episode of The Tesla Life. Yep. And either headphones or some earbuds. That way uh, we don't get an echo because that, that gets fun to, to deal with. Yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll, have, we'll technically check you out ahead of time so that uh, yeah. you know, we make sure it's all, all high quality the way we want it. And if you don't have the gear, well, that's okay. Well, then you can just enjoy watching the show instead of participating. <laughs> Absolutely, and then 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 you know still have the chat and everything. So uh, you want to plug your uh, your your stuff there? Sure. Uh, yeah. So I blog occasionally at carswithcords.net. My latest post I just rolled over forty thousand miles in my Tesla. Oh wow! It's by no means a record, but they're my no. forty thousand miles. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I, I have a battery degradation chart on how that's performed, and uh, some uh, clips from some of my road trips. And uh, yeah, so check it out, carswithcords.net. And I'm also with the Oregon Electric Vehicle Association. You can find us at oeva.org. Thanks. And what's, what's the mission there? We're going to bring about a future free. Yes, a future free from fossil fuels. And, and, and on that, uh, we talked about trucks. Uh, Daimler is working with my local utility, Portland General, and they've established what they call Charging Island. And yes. Uh, it's going to be for uh, electric semis uh, to, to charge up. High, nice high voltage. Uh, get them back on the road quickly. It's a cool yep. program happening around here. And nice. They even designed. They even designed it intelligently. Uh, Omar and I, were, we were looking at the picture, and like they had, they had the you know the place you could pull off, and then they had uh, the the convenience area that you could you know go buy the food, get a shower, do whatever you need to do. And I, I have high hopes for that, and I hope that uh, Tesla does the same or better. And we'll see how that goes. Omar, what have you got for us today? Oh well. Just going back to uh, what we were just talking about, I like the way they designed the stalls as well on that. Yeah. Um, so that they can pull in, they charge up, and then they can pull out so that they don't have to back up or do any tricky maneuvers. I think that's Definitely. awesome. Yeah, hopefully it becomes a model for a, for electric semi-charging around the entire world. Yes. Uh, and there will definitely Absolutely. have cool installs for consumers too, not just for big trucks because... Uh, you got Cybertruck and all these pickup trucks we were just talking about. They're they're gonna be hauling stuff. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. So 
So again, I want to thank everybody for coming with us. Uh, down below is a join button. If you click that, it'll help us out. Uh, you don't have to. It's completely optional. Uh, but what it does, it uh, allows us to take care of these subscriptions and the gear and make this all a better experience for you. We'll catch you on the flip side.